Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? An amazing episode with Roy Wood Jr., an incredible comedian and uh, Daily Show correspondent. I want to get to it, as always, as quickly as possible. I do want to mention that my uh, HBO special, Faces and Sounds, is available in audio form on iTunes now. I worked hard on that special. I really love it. A lot of weirdos came out to the taping. Uh, It would mean a lot if you checked out that album on iTunes or wherever you get your comedy album downloads. Uh, Also, this episode is brought to us by our wonderful friends at Squarespace. Squarespace, make your next move with Squarespace. You know this. I know you've heard these things before, but I love Squarespace for their support and for how easy they make it to make a website. I'm not sure what it is that you do, but chances are you need a website, and Squarespace is here with 24-7 customer support and easy templates and customizable features to make your website a reality. All you got to do is go to squarespace.com, squarespace.com, and enter offer code WEIRD, and you will get 10% off your first purchase and show your support of this podcast. Squarespace, make it beautiful. Bye-bye. The other things I always love to mention, as you know, are my Pete's Picks, Pete's Picks, Alpha Brain. I've taken a lot of Alpha Brain today because we were shooting today with the wonderful Bill Burr. He was in some scenes today. So thrilled about that. So I was popping some Alpha Brains to keep up with his genius brain. Uh, Alpha Brain is a nootropic, which means it's like a vitamin for your brain. I like to think of it as fish food for my ideas. I sprinkle it on there. It's not a stimulant like coffee. It doesn't keep you up or make you jittery. It's just nutrients, earth-grown nutrients that help you think, concentrate, memory, focus, and I swear by it. Uh, For the past two or three years, I haven't gone a podcast or written a script or a stand-up set without taking some Alpha Brain. If I use my brain for it, this is 100% real. I reached out to them to see if they would be interested in giving you guys a, uh, a promo code to try it. That's how much this product means to me. I love it. I swear by it. I've turned so many comedians and writers onto it, and I want you to try it. If you use your brain <laughs> and would like a little bit of an edge, whether it be professionally or creatively, or if you just want to have trippy dreams or meditate a little deeper, whatever it might be, all you got to do is go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and you will get 10% off your purchase of Alpha Brain. Get into it. If you like it one-tenth as much as I like it, you're going to shit your pants. Uh, the other Pete's pick, which I've also taken a bunch today uh, because I love it. It's a mood elevator. It helps me relax. It helps me with anxiety. helps me with body pains. Uh, some, I had an ache in my neck the other day, and it helped it go away. I love it. Uh, of course, those are anecdotal things. I always want to point out that's not necessarily tested by the FDA. Although a lot of the benefits of Charlotte's Web, which is what I'm talking about, uh, are backed with a lot of scientific research. You can check that out. The Stanley Brothers actually did an episode of this podcast where we talked a lot about Charlotte's Web and how it uh, helped with seizures of a young girl named Charlotte, which is where it gets its name. And since I've been uh, telling people about it here on the podcast, so many people have told me what a game changer and a life changer it is for them. 
Uh, it's CBD oil, which means it's hemp oil, but they take the THC part out, which means it's not psychoactive, which for me means you can take it and it kind of gives you a happy, healthy glow, but there's no like high feeling, meaning you can read a book, you can write a script, you can follow the plot of a movie. Uh, nothing is impaired, just a, uh, like I say, there's a glow to it. There's a happiness to it. There's a less worried feeling, a less worried feeling. What I use is the Everyday Plus, or actually I love the Everyday Advanced Chocolate Mint flavor, mint chocolate, tastes like a thin mint. I just put a couple drops on my hand, lick it off, that's all you need. Uh, so you get the big bottle of the strong stuff, you're good for quite a while. And if you want 10% off your purchase, all you got to do is go to cwhemp.com and use promo code KEEPITCRISPY at checkout and you'll get 10% off Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil, which is a product that's definitely changed my life, or Alpha Brain at onit.com slash weird, definitely also changed my life for the better. That's why those are the two Pete's Picks. And I also, again, want to thank Squarespace for their support of this podcast. Uh, whatever your next idea might be, you know you can count on Squarespace to help you create an eye-catching online platform that brings it to life. It could be a, a portfolio. It could be a blog. It could be a store. It doesn't matter. These guys have your unique domain, which will strengthen your brand, and it has easy templates and... Uh, which basically is a fancy way of saying you can create a beautiful website with a simple and intuitive process with clicks and drags of a mouse, nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. And the uh, customer support is basically like having your own IT department. So, like I always say, I don't know what you do, but chances are you probably need a website. And if you do, go to squarespace.com today and offer uh, and enter, sorry, enter offer code WEIRD to get 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's WEIRD at checkout. Thank you, Squarespace, for your support of the show. Guys, thank you for listening. I had such a great chat with, with uh, Roy Wood Jr., and I hope very much that you enjoy it. He is incredible. Check out his special father figure, which is on the Comedy Central app now. And in the meantime... Enjoy this wonderful talk. Chuck. This Chuck. Try a Pete's Pick. Download Faces and Sounds on iTunes. Thank you, Squarespace. And get into it. I get a, I get a, I get a text from you <laughs> at 3.45. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's not happening. <laughs> no, no. I was, which was fine. I was just like, oh, he's out late. Then I text you back. At like, I don't know, I feel like I texted you back at like 6, which is not when I was up. I must have been up to use the bathroom. <laughs> and then you replied. Yeah. <laughs> what just, have you been doing? Oh, dude. What did oh you do? Oh, my God. I, <laughs> I pulled a 20-hour date. I call it a quick flip, where you leave town to do a show and come right back the same oh, night. I call it the old up and back. Yeah. So every, <laughs> every company flip. has their own name for it. You know why? Because we have to find ways... In my mind, to compartmentalize things pleasantly. Like, we do yeah. so many strange things. You're kind of like, well, it's the old up and back, which sounds pleasant, but really it's like a shit thing to do. Dude, I built my career down south on quick flips. Mm. Like, if it was within five hours of Birmingham, I would drive back home uh, after the show. That's so funny. So I could keep my internship at this morning radio station oh, I started shit. at. Oh, shit. So That's crazy. I'm three hours from New York. Yeah, I'm doing the show. Ran the streets with my buddies till 2 a.m., 3 a.m. train, and then I go, damn, I haven't heard from Like, you're like the most laid-back white dude I've ever experienced, because normally 
You do a podcast, you get a text you like get a every confirm. other day. You get a confirm. Yeah. Are you, <laughs> is it still? Dude, we I, haven't heard from you. <laughs> I was like, let me not be black. And actually, <laughs> that's so funny. I'm doing another podcast, something I never do, not my own. Someone <laughs> yeah. else is, is Mike Birbiglia as like a, a thing to promote his uh, specials or whatever. So I'm doing that later. And his assistant or somebody who's producing it has emailed me four times. See what I'm saying? <laughs> So I was like, I haven't heard from Pete. Is he still alive? And I don't reply to them on principle. I was like, oh my God. It's just like I said, I'll be there. Hey, you'll be there. Yeah. And I was just like, hey, man, just I, making sure. I, I, was, I was worried that you were, you know, going to be spread too thin. I mean, if you were out that late. Nah. Nah. It's. Would you not sleep a lot? I got a little bit of sleep before I left town. Because you seem fresh. And if I met you, you're like well-dressed. You're, well, you're you, dry. I'm, I'm moist because I walked from the 14th Street. <laughs> oh, this is paper towel you. weather. So I came in and I had to like give myself a horse yeah. bath. You come in. I know you're not that rested. But I did four hours of sleep before I left New York. And I, I flew down to D.C. and then took the train back. And the train is a good three solid hours. Yep. And I got back at 7 this morning. Slept another two or three, got up, dealt with the kid and all that fatherhood stuff. <laughs> technically made it here on time. See, that's what it is, is you're a parent now, and you figured out like how to compartmentalize less, Yeah, you, it just doesn't. You just figure it out. What is seven consecutive hours of sleep? I've never heard of that. <laughs> how long, how old is your child? He's 14 months. 14 months? Yeah. And was he crazy? Yeah. It's just he gets up every day, 630, no matter what. Every day, 630, he's up. So yeah. you just have to decide how much sleep to work sliding scale ratio. For you. Yeah. Because it's like those apps that tell you when to set an alarm. Your baby is like, you're getting up at 630. Pretty much. So you're like, I'll I go to bed. I literally don't set my alarm clock anymore. <laughs> because you have a baby. Because it's just, yeah. <laughs> He'll wake up. <laughs> it's like, like I, don't have I, a, I don't have a doorbell because I have a dog. Yeah. And if, <laughs> if I overslept, it's probably because something was wrong with my kid. So I'm not coming to work anyway. Mm -hmm. So it all works out perfectly. If there was an alarm clock that knew your child needed you to stay home so it didn't go off, that would be amazing. <laughs> but you made one. Yeah, so you it's made like, one with your penis. Dude, the Daily Show is like a 12-hour day, man. Is so, it really? Yeah, you get home at like 7 or 8. Because you're writing. And, you're a correspondent and you're writing? Or no, I'm a correspondent, but even if you're not working on a piece that day to be on in studio, you're either an edit on some field some piece you, you shot or you're brainstorming something new. So minimum 10, That's 12 so hours is not... Un unnormal. I'm in, you know, the industry, and I still was like, I bet that's a sweet thing where you kind of pop in, you're like, what's up, Trevor? And then you leave. <laughs> no, I don't have that. that. That's Lewis Black status. <laughs> Lewis Black just comes Lewis in. Lewis Black does that. Hey, I'm free next Thursday. <laughs> and I'm mad about something. Yeah. And they go, okay, Lewis is on. It'd be like a month out. They go, we got Lewis. Yeah. Get the ACDC sound to like Trevor. <laughs> we can't afford the real thing, so get that. <laughs> da -da -da -da. Back in black. Yeah, it's back in dark, dark gray. Is that that's what yeah. that song is called? They can't afford back in black. Dude, it's it's just it's it's crazy because you do that and then you want to go out and do sets at night or you want to come home and try and write a script or play well, a video juiced? game. Like, are you juiced from work or are you drained from work? Or are you both? Um, it's it's a little bit of both. Yeah, I can but, relate because you know we we shoot twelve hours as well. Twelve sometimes thirteen was yesterday. And then you come home and you're like, I want to go to bed. Like your body's kind of like, you should go to bed. And your brain's like, this is our only time. 
do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, do stuff. Please Come watch on. a movie or something. Or I, if I did a set, though, you could do that. You could go do a set, and that doesn't wind you up even further. That's one of the biggest things. If I, I have with. a good set, if I have a new joke that is working, I'm screwed because I'm going to be up all night it'll jazz playing you. and tinkering with it. That's and- what I forget who it was, but it was a comedian I met on the road that was like, if you're depressed, write a new bit and try it. And I was like, it works. It's a crazy little secret. Do you feel yeah, the same that's way? that's true. I didn't even think about you. that. Yeah. I wrote a joke on the way up because I was <laughs> listening to your stuff. By the way, you're fantastic. You're so oh, funny. I, you, I think you know that. But, I mean, it's so nice to see the specials and all the things coming up and things coming up Roy Wood Jr. It's amazing. I appreciate it. Because you listen to it. And I'm going back and listening to your old Conans and stuff. And, you know, when you listen to good comedy, your brain kind of goes into that mode you know, like yeah. I wrote a joke because I was listening to your jokes. Well, that's that's how I used to write. <laughs> Is that right? I, I would watch comics on TV, and then that's so funny. If I was trying to guess the direction of your joke and I guessed wrong, yeah, I have a new bit. <laughs> I thought your punchline was apples. Your punchline was oranges. Now yeah. I have a joke about apples, derivative from the same kind of, topic. Yes. But I go, oh, I you're see. You're saying if it's a generic enough premise, if he's Correct. just like this, and you're like, oh, I bet he's, because it gets you thinking in that way. Correct. Oh, he's going to talk about when men and women do this. And I go, oh, he didn't. Right. Oh, well, now I can talk about when that's men and right. women do this. That's that right. was like the cheapest form of brainstorming for me. Yeah, that's so just, funny. Just <laughs> watching other comics. It's like hiring a guy to come in and be like, show me what you would do on stage. And then they do. Yeah, and they go, all right, now I got an idea. That's why sometimes I love watching other comics before I go on, because it gets me all wound up, because I'm kind of like you start playing that game what are they going to say you know and and they're not saying what you would say and i think Mm -hmm. that's why we're comedians because being an audience member is kind of excruciating even when i watch musicals and stuff like i which i don't do often i'll be trying to guess the rhyme you know and that's what it is that's what it feels like to just be like i'm too itchy to watch your show (laughs) but i also like watching like i know some comics who i don't watch other comedians i consume everything Mm. if it is an hour special and it has been performed you watch anywhere on the internet i try to find it even if i think you're trash (laughs) at least 30 minutes of it 30 yeah because i'm a 10 i have to know where you're coming from what your pov is because it shows me the lay of the land and what to avoid dude i saw seinfeld (laughs) <laughs> at the Beacon. And you could tell he's working out his Netflix special. Uh-huh. So it's starting to become a little... When the, when the it's gods, funny, like, doing a Netflix special, which is awesome, obviously, is like doing a superhero movie. Too. Like, I'm like, ooh, they got Seinfeld? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like in Birdman, where you they're know, like, they hilarious. got him in a cape, too? What's so hilarious is that if you'd explained the concept of Netflix to Seinfeld 10 yes. years ago yes. and told him he would be doing something for yes. this company, yes. get out of my yeah, yeah. face. That's stupid. I need oh, TV. I got to turn on my computer. <laughs> I got to type it. Now I'm typing. It's too I just want to watch TV. It's too much. Would it be enough to just watch some goddamn television? <laughs> now he's streaming. Now I'm streaming. Yeah, well, well, streaming everybody's streaming. <laughs> uh, he's, he did a bit that's close enough to something I was working on that I have to stop well, That's doing one of the, the reasons joke. why I don't like. I, I, I hear, like, you should it's know. It's so deflating. I know. It's one of the. That, okay, so if it's, if it's an antidepressant to write a new bit and have it work, that makes us feel good. It's a very bad feeling. When, I remember watching Dimitri Martin's special and I was just like, Oh, hmm. oh Shit. damn! I was going to do a joke about Shit. that, and you already did it. And this wasn't Dimitri, but some. And I'm guessing it wasn't Seinfeld. But sometimes you watch someone do your premise, and they made it to TV first, and they don't do it as well. Correct. And you're just like, ah. Shit. But it's close enough that if you continue with your joke, what was the then premise? they go, 
oh, you stole the joke or Who's whatever. Who's stupid enough to steal from Seinfeld? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then with, it's like going into Fort Knox itself to shoplift. Because the concept of parallel thought doesn't exist. It's never considered first I know. I know. when it comes to joke thieving. It's People, just you did the same thing that you don't stole. They, don't they see, like, I'm a big believer in parallel thought. We live in the same fucking world, same movies, same music. You know, I, I'm not talking about, like, random chance. I'm talking about we're all listening to the same commercials, yeah. the same films, and we think we're having this, like, really original plot of land where we grow our bits, but it's the same soil from every company. Some cocksucker of a comedian in Los Angeles <laughs> heard me do a fucking set and I used the same two words in my bit as another comedian. Oh. The word was drug math. And I say that because I want this cocksucker of a comedian oh, to God. know. <laughs> oh, man. That I know. This is like turning into shock jock radio. Yeah, no. <laughs> Shots fired. So what, what happened? About, Tell me what happened. So blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> drug math. I don't know drug math. And it was my because, bit. like grams and stuff. Correct. It yeah. was about the metric system. Uh-huh. Now this other comic has a joke where he uses that same word, completely different bit. <laughs> but is it this about grams? Comic? And stuff? No, no. This comic just heard me say those two words, mm. and he calls. He texts the guy while I'm on stage. He texts the guy and goes, "Roy Virginia's doing your bit. No context." No explanation, no in-depth. You didn't even hear me finish the joke, you motherfucker. That's Before crazy. you text to See, snitch is- on me. I come off stage to a text from this man who he snitched. And we worked it out like two men. Yeah. But what if that person wasn't someone that knew me? Right, right. Then what's the rap on why, me all why over the, the industry? Why the friendly fire? Why the, Dude, you're shooting at the wrong or side? Or pull me to the side like a fucking no, man right. and go, hey, man, I have something similar. Yeah. I do something like, just so you know, this guy says the word drug math. Be aware of that as you navigate the growth of this bit. Yeah. That's the professional way you should approach that. Right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. This is what it always reminds me. We haven't talked about it in a while. But I'm always – it reminds me of the mafia. Everyone that listens to this podcast is going to know I'm going to make this point, so I'll make it briefly. It's like you need a sit down. You're saying, like, man, I'm saying, like, gentle people. You know what I mean? Like, sit down over tiny espressos and maybe some ham and be like, all right, Roy says he has a bit about drug math. He said he did it and this guy did it. But don't be – well, don't snitch. Use the word snitch. Like, be correct It's just a matter of explaining because parallel thought is a real thing Dude, if you said drug math and I knew what you meant – you know what I'm saying? Correct. You said drug math, and I went, oh, because like kilos and grams. It wasn't and, the punchline. It yeah. wasn't the main point of the yeah. bit. It yeah. was a word used to get to another point. Right. If somebody, if you're on stage and you say zippity, flippity, flap, flap, and then you start saying that, that, that might be fair. A little more identifiable. <laughs> like, you may as well have texted your friend and said, Roy's doing his set in English. You may want to check him about yeah. that. He's doing your thing, that speaking English on stage thing. That's right. But, you know, there's something to me... There's a time, the incubation period, which has been ruined a little bit by social media because people tweet and people videotape and all that stuff. There's a time when you're doing these bits, you know, when you're getting ready to do an hour and things just fall away. Maybe drug math just goes away. Maybe it was just something you did 10 times in a club. But you needed those laughs, as you said, as a gateway to the next premise. Like it it kind of put the fluff under your wings. It gets you to the next place. And you fly a little bit higher. But if we're always like marshalling each other and being like, well, you can't... We need a little bit of freedom to be bad. We need a little freedom to be offensive sometimes or ugly or I wrong. Agree with that. 
And we need a little freedom because it gets us to the better stuff. You forgot. And that's where you put on the special. Yeah. Show us the line and then we'll scale it back. I saw something on the Chris Rock show one time that made me drop a bit. Uh, I mean, this is early. Dude, this is how I know you're up. a radio guy, man. Like you're good at ra- like I'm just I'm just enjoying today. <laughs> like, I'm like everything's fine. I'm dude. on the Roy show today because you're like I got it. I please tell me, dude. He had and it was such a throwaway thought, mm. and I like had this full fleshed out thing. But it was such a throwaway thought about reparations for black people and how black people should get a discount on cotton. Now. At the time, Chris was the first person to that. And since then, there's been a couple comics that have kind of had well, something Well, Chappelle had the, like... Correct. Well, he had a classic. Bit. But it, it was it was one of those things where the, the downside to consuming a lot of comedy and watching a lot of comedy is that I find myself constantly having to alter what I'm doing to make this sure that I'm, I'm not... This is why I'm surprised. Like, you do, it's not... Risk reward, right? You get the reward, you know you're relevant. We're the same age, so I, I yeah. catch myself. I'm, ne- I'm 38. I've never felt like, do I know the young guys? Like now, I feel like I need to stay on top of things. <laughs> when people say someone I don't know, I get a little scared. I'm like, oh no, I'm the weird old guy at the club. And now, but okay, so you get that you're relevant. You know what's happening. You know the voices, and you know the specials, and you know it's good. But then the risk is that you lose bits, and you might even the other risk is that you in kind of you're a pond, and you're letting these other waters in, and you might you know, start thinking like them. Yeah, and the thing with social media, uh, to me, my counter to that is that when you finally do get a bit that is ultra-specific to your voice and holds a point of view that no one else possesses, you got gold. Yeah. Because if it's something that everybody else could pick up on, how sharp was the bit to begin with? I right. think a lot of comedy early on. Well, you just said, I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's that's profound right there. It's like you're not really after bits. You're after it's, – it's like in, in uh, marriage, you're not looking to get married. You're looking for love. You, yeah. and, and in comedy, you're not looking for a bit. You're looking for the whole through. You cut into me, and it's Pete Holmes the whole way through. I want to touch your soul yeah. and leave you thinking differently about the world with an authentic representation of who you are. There you go. In a way, oh, that was fucking Roy Wood Jr. And you, I could eat it blindfolded. And I would know. Correct. That was Roy Wood Jr. And if you don't know what everyone else is doing, and you mess up and look like everyone else or sound like everyone else, then it's cool. <clears throat> but you're kind of. You're kind of an echo chamber. Or you're just co-signing on society in a way, and I'm not saying that that's right. bad comedy. But that but happens in music. Just, that happens everywhere. It's just for me. I w- I try to have something that's as unique as possible. I know it's still got to be funny, but like I, I I when all the Black Lives Matter stuff came out, I had a bit. I'm sure other comics probably had a bit too about oh, you wouldn't go to a breast cancer rally and say all cancers matter. Right. Like that type of, they were making those analogies about the all lives matter. That's so funny because my favorite Black Lives Matter bit was about people tearing down the rainforest and going all forests matter. See what I'm it's saying? Like, yeah. They're so t- you saw I heard that bit, but it's okay. I'm not blowing the whistle. We're making the same so the, point. Now, yeah, two yeah. people making the same point. Right. So for me, structurally, and what I'm trying to put on stage, I can't put that in a special. Right. Because. Everybody saw the Matrix code on that. Right. I want the thing. It's that's like remember deeper. the R.H. Shafir thing. Who's going to build the wall? It's like mm-hmm. they want to build a wall in Mexico. Who's going to build the wall? I was like, I'm sorry to everyone. Who, and I love Ari Shafir, and I love a lot of the comics that were involved in that scandal. I was fond of their jokes. If you gave my mother those ingredients, they want to build a wall between us and Mexico. Give her 20 minutes. 
You yeah. know what I mean? She's going to come around to some basic racially weird comments. So the advantage you have weird, now with social media is that you got to be first or you got to be the most creative mm. with making the point. And so, so to funny, me, OJ gets out and I'm like, oh, I guess I could too. Oh, fuck it. It's been 20 <laughs> it's, it's, it's been 20 minutes. Because if I do, remember the Oscars when uh, they read the wrong card? Mm-hmm. I tweeted, this episode of the Oscars was directed by M. Night Shyamalan. It's a twist joke. I tweeted it so fast and yet, someone was like, oh, this guy said it, this guy said it, and then I'm like, Shyamalan said it, and I was like, guys, it's the joke. Exactly. Sometimes the joke is the joke. We all saw the same thing. Sometimes a guy gets hit by a garbage truck in a movie, and you gotta go, that's gotta hurt, that's the joke. Yeah, if you make the joke and people laugh, that's fine, but for me, if I can have opportunities to go deeper, I But try. that's why you don't put it in the special, that's why I like your point. I used to watch- It's, uh, like, a, it's like a cheap trick you do. It's like a parlor trick you do because you can make a lot of jokes, but then when you get to the special, that's when we want to get that. The short soul order stuff. cook versus yes. a five star cuisine. Who's Every- coming to dinner? Are you putting out bugles in a bowl? Or are you saying I have prepared a five course Roy Wood? Yeah, know? anybody can whip up you know some short order stuff, and that's fine, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you're fucking Emerald. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said Guy Fieri. Would have been mean. How Emerald. bad would you feel if you ate a Guy Fieri meal and it was the best meal you've ever had? You're like, I've made fun of this man so much. And he blowtorched a Twinkie onto this bowl of cereal and it's the best thing I've ever had. So I was on a carnival cruise <laughs> two years ago. And Guy Fieri apparently has some sort of hamburger chain. I don't know if it's just on boats. I don't, I've never seen a brick and mortar. <laughs> Most delicious fucking hamburger. No. Really? Oh, what was the secret? Captain I don't know if it's just because we were in the ocean doing U-turns and I'm like, I'll eat anything. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. it was a legit, like, you know, like you go on a great vacation. Yeah. And you remember that one dish you had. that you would, I was like, man, I wish I could get a Guy Fieri burger right now. The rest of your life, you're going to be at fancy restaurants being swooned by producers. <laughs> you're going to eat the fancy burger that they buy you and you're going to go... In the back of your mind, it's no, it's no Guy Fieri. Yeah. In the back of your mind, where your Oakleys are on the back of your neck. You know what's interesting, though? Just about like watching other comedians. For me, where it started, so down south, I'm from Birmingham. Yeah. For the listeners. Down south, you had to work. If you were going to work, if you are going to do comedy every week, you had to be able to be versatile enough to work a black room and a white room because there wasn't enough regular stage time. Right. In either demo. Right. So I would watch. Was it called the Chit? I'm not trying to. Yeah, Chitlin Circuit. Chitlin Circuit. Yeah. yeah. So. Is that offensive? Uh, no, that's Some what black people like, call it too. Yeah, I know, but you know, there's a lot of vocabulary that doesn't overlap. You know what would be offensive <laughs> if you called it the Chitterling Circuit? The Chitterling, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> oh, is it's that how you spell Chitterling? Chitterling is the proper pronunciation of Chitlins. No, come yeah. on. Chitlins is just slang. That's it's just, so funny. It's just Chitterlings with swag. Could I have some Chitterlings, please? That's yeah, exactly. Hilarious. It's more of a formal. <laughs> yes, I'll have pig intestine, please. <laughs> so the Chitlin circuit. Yeah, so I will watch Premium Blend on Comedy Central. Yeah, and too. I will watch BET's Comet View. And so in those the in, in those days, Comet View came on five nights a week. Yeah, and it was six comics per episode. Just that volume of just stand up on TV is unheard. Of. You'll never see it again. Yeah, number one. Number two, well, you won't see it in that way. There is that much content, but it was—I know what you mean—because it was on TV. Yeah, it was on TV, and we watched it. Showcase comedy as a half-hour show 
it's very I don't know I don't know all the metrics on it, but you don't see much of it anymore now. Imagine because the ratings don't do what people want it to do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have to have a solid host. It's Adam Devine's house party or it's Gabriel Iglesias stand up ruffles. (laughs) You need a solid host. You better listen to that. (laughs) That was a horrible accent. Now that was disrespectful. That was worse than Chitterlings. Revolution. <laughs> Revolution. Revolution. There seems to be a, a lot of lisps in Spain. I've noticed. <laughs> I, it's just my experience. <laughs> I've noticed I will, a lot of lisps. I will watch those shows every week and make lists of the topics that each comedian brought up. Really? And I would have like full notebooks of just the list of the topics that the comics discussed. So as I built material over the course of the year, I would try to avoid those topics. How old are you at this point? I'm 19, 20 years old. So you started young. I started at 19. Really? So I'm watching these shows. I'm just going, I'll never be able to do the sex joke or I'm so broke joke. I'll never be able to do that. Like I can perform for black audiences, but I was never the quintessential Def Jam black act. Like black people yeah. rock with me. But I was never going to walk on stage with Seth Entertainer's charisma. I just wasn't right. going to have it. I go, okay, right. I can't do those topics as well as these people. What are the things that I can talk about that are also relatable to black people it is funny that can that come from my world? I can't think of a charisma. I can think of charismaless white performers. Like that's their hook is that they're flat. Yeah. But I can't think of a Def Jam guy that just kind of went out and was like, no. I know I'm boring, but uh, that's why <laughs> it looks at his notes. If you, if you, like they came out in. Suits and show me a comic from, from the that, eyes. <laughs> show me a comic from that era with the stage presence of Gerard Carmichael or Hannibal Burris. Yeah, there you're was, not going to see. There it. was very few. There's, right, there, you might be able to name one or two, but right. there's very few that it was had hamburger. That. Yeah, and I'm not gonna have it. No, hamburger was he was too animated. No, he was way more animated. Than, <laughs> I used yeah. to watch Def Jam and I, as well, and I was so confused. One, I was too young. <laughs> Two, when you're thinking what about what are these black people doing, mom? <laughs> ah, no, mom wasn't there. I would not watch that with mom. <laughs> but I was confused because they would destroy. Here's the bit. I, I'll tell you the bit I remember that I didn't understand why it worked so well. Guys wearing like a white suit and black shoes. Okay. So he comes and like maybe like a red shirt, and he comes out and just like just the sort of uh, peacocking of like, don't I look good? And people are going nuts, mm-hmm. nuts. And I'm at home going, I don't understand. Yeah, and he's kind of strutting, and the music comes on, and people are losing their shit. I just don't. There's no context. You know what I mean? Now I go, Def Jam, hottie. It's funny that he's being. He's not nervous at all. That's the joke. Yeah, he's showing off his outfit instead of being nervous, like Bernie Mac with the "I ain't scared of you, motherfucker." It's funny because he's being like, "I'm not scared." Look, I'm I'm wearing the suit, and then he he points to his jacket. He goes, "Sentence." He points to his pants. He goes, "Sentence." He points to his shoes and goes, "Period." And (laughs) The place, <laughs> like you've never, I've never gotten a response like that in my life. And I'm at home going, I don't under, I didn't understand anything about fashion. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that makes sense to me now. Yeah. But as a kid, you didn't think like, oh, you got to make, make the shoes look with the suit and that's a choice. And like, it's telling a story. I was just kind of like, this man just pointed to his pants and said yeah. a word. <laughs> and like, and black people were like, yes, that's hilarious. It. Right, right. Because it's confident. So that, you need that before you even open your mouth. Right. And I didn't have a lot of that. Right. And this is back in the day. That's so scary. I mean, I can't imagine trying to work that circuit from Birmingham not feeling like sentence, sentence. But but what you also needed, though, because you, the next, one night you're doing an all-black show in Atlanta, 
The next night, you're in Simpsonville, South Carolina at a biker bar. Sentence, sentence period ain't going to work. <laughs> so you need this. So I found myself having to write for two different audiences. I was like, fuck that, man. The only thing I can do, the only common denominator I have right now is things that affect me. So I'll talk about me and how I see the world. Right. I can't talk about you ever seen this, you ever seen that, because right. white crowd ain't seen the same thing that the black crowds have seen. Right. So I remember Will I, Sylvans go, uh, did this bit when I got to New York. He goes, you ever not want to take a shit because you don't want to be hungry later? And like it, 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 it didn't work at all. And he went, "That's some black people shit." And I was like, "Oh, that's uh, that's weird. Yeah. Really, that's some poverty <laughs> shit." But like, you yeah. know what he means. And you're like, yeah. "Oh, I, that's just like that." Right, came that to my instant mind. connection to starving, right, is probably more prevalent right. with a black audience than a white audience, right? And the connection to it is fast. At, at minimum, the connection is fast. And white audience might be like, "You ever get the wrong kind of Cheerios?" You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, I got multigrain. I and thought like, I had honey nut. Exactly. I'm <laughs> divorcing you. <laughs> it's always that escalation. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. so go on. I'm sorry. I just no, got excited. No, but that, that was the thing, was figuring out what can I talk about that both people, like in my jokes then, like it was like I had a joke about how this is like when you pay at the pump when you're getting gas. And Wait, how, I've seen this bit. Yeah, you pay at the pump, and the guy on the intercom starts talking rudely to you. Uh-huh. I, everybody could relate to that. Now, I soon later discovered that that is a joke that generally works south of Washington, D.C. Because <laughs> as you get up the East Coast into mass transit cities where people don't pump gas as much, right. and there's not as much conversation right. over the intercom. Right. So you start learning the cultural differences. Dude, I, and, my favorite joke right now is about ways and how I hate it, and it's just like just sit in traffic and just wait it out, right? Mm-hmm. That only works in L.A. I go to other cities where I'm like, you think it's like, because in LA, there really is a surrender to it. It's just like, just get on the freeway and kind of crawl to work or zigzag and, and make f- like four lanes of oncoming traffic lefts and like <laughs> yeah. risk your life. I'm like, just fuck it. Just get on the highway. It works in LA. It's my favorite bit. I go to other cities and I'm like, what's the traffic like? <laughs> but it, in Manhattan, there's traffic, but you don't want to sit in it. That's not the attitude. That's not the feeling. That's like a California feeling. I saw a comic in the Midwest he kept doing a Tesla joke. That's so funny. I'm like, dude, this is yes. fucking Wisconsin. They it's think you're t- talking about the scientists. Yeah, at minimum. <laughs> <laughs> My buddy drives a Tesla. Huh? <laughs> I said, say electric car. If you say electric car, yes. just make that tweak, yeah. and it should go over now. Yeah. But they're not making a connection of Tesla. They're not making it fast enough. The audience isn't fast enough to keep up. With, by the time you get to the punchline, they're still Wondering. downloading that a Tesla's an electric That's right. car. That's so funny. We're, so we're shooting stand-up for my show the other day. And what to, to me, the feeling of having done stand-up for like, I don't know, 17 years now, mm-hmm. is you're watching and you go, you need to say, it's like. You're missing, it's like. Yeah. You're saying what it's like, but you're not saying it's like. And you could, there's a, there's a, it's not a sound. It's not any, it's a space that an audience creates <laughs> when they're wondering collectively, what does he mean? Yeah. And comedians, I swear, like, you know, someone's behind you. Comedians can tell the people in front of you aren't following and they go, I've had that in my, in my thing yeah. where I go, in fact, with the ways bit, I, w- I was in, uh, where was it? Michigan. And I'm on stage and I'm doing ways and I go, do you guys know what ways is? They didn't. And then I had to explain it. And then the bit started to work. You yeah. Know what and I mean? then you get into it. Right. And you go, oh, it's like. Google Maps or it's right, like right, right. whatever. It it's tells like you Google Maps. Go. Oh, you don't know what Google Maps is? Okay. <laughs> All right. It's like iMap. Ah, 
Yeah, it's like you know, Map no, no. Quest. All right, it's like a map, <laughs> but in your phone. <laughs> you just keep leveling up shit they don't know. I remember working with Burr, uh, and he told me he was watching this guy, because Burr works black rooms, and he was watching this white woman on stage destroying. I never forgot the story, and I'm not even sure I fully understand it. Destroying, and it's a lot of black women, and she's talking about when you throw up at a club or something, and you're sick. And then the se- then it's killing, killing, killing. And the second he go, she goes, uh, and your hair gets in the water or something. And they stop laughing on a dime, kind of the way he told the story. Yeah, he was like, black women are weird about their hair. They don't want to like joke about their hair. That's what he. That's what he said. I don't. Yeah. Know well, right. a black woman would never let her hair get in the water. Is that it? That's that's the thing. That's is that so no funny. matter how much vomit is going on, <laughs> like if we're playing fix the joke, then it would be. And then your hair, would, your hair would almost get in the water, but your girlfriend would be right there to go. Uh, uh-uh, bitch, you paid fifty dollars to get that hair done. You just like, blacked that joke. Yeah. That is amazing. Sentence period. That is sentence period. I kind of got chills that you're like that would make it destroy. Whereas in the white woman community, it getting in there is funny. It's like, oh, my hair is in the puke. Yeah. And you're like, we would never do that. It's a value culturally. Like, I was thinking about black people and sneakers. It's literally hair is an investment. Sneakers don't get dirty hair. That's what I'm saying. Black people don't like sneakers. They love clean sneakers, new sneakers. It's a part of the culture. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like you have... You, if your sneakers are dirty, you're embarrassed. If you have clean sneakers, it's it's it means you yeah, have your crispy, shit to get yeah. crisp. You gotta be crispy. Crisp. So I I don't know. I was just thinking about that. That's like a different way of looking at sneakers. Like I had so I'm not one of these people that takes care of shoes. <laughs> and I have a couple of nice pairs of shoes, but for me, shoes is for wearing. I ain't got no time to be collecting. Like I know motherfuckers who buy when when the new hot shoe comes out. They'll buy three pairs. Right. And they go, Ron Funches will, will Instagram that he got like some rare $900 <laughs> Jordans. And I'm just like, oh, okay. To wear when, Ron? To, Buddy, like, I've tried. I bought the Agassiz, the, the Nike Agassiz that I had when I was a kid. And I was like, I will wear these. I bought them like when I'm manic and happy. And then I'm like, they just sit in my closet. I'm like, I'm never wearing these. But I get it. It's stock. It's it's base, It's grown man baseball cards. It is. <laughs> And you can sell them, and it's profitable. It's very profitable. Is it really? But for me, shoes is for wearing. <laughs> so I'll buy one pair, and I wear them. And when they're dirty and they're done, they get yeah. demoted to housework. <laughs> and then if I was still living down south, the ultimate demotion is yard work shit. <laughs> so I'll buy. I had some Jordans, and I was going. I was doing. You do that. You're writing bits, man. You're like, no, that's a good bird. Are those your yard work shoes? That yeah. is sentence sentence you period get, right there. Yeah. So Jordans <laughs> never get demoted to yard work ever. You yeah, just you yeah. sell them or just never wear them again. You never have to jump over a sunflower. <laughs> <laughs> I was at Essence Festival, and this this will just give you a, an understanding of like black wardrobe. And Essence Essence the Essence Music Festival is one of the largest live music festivals. It's bigger than Coachella. Like oh, wow. in terms of talking numbers of people to the city of New Orleans, Superdome three nights, seventy thousand people, whatever. Wow. So. I'm going to some events for Essence Festival, and I have this pair of white Jordans. I don't know, classic retro four. I, I don't know. The, I don't even know the names of all these sneakers. Like people be coming up talking to me about sneakers. It's like white people talking to me about stocks. I, I don't. Well, you know the new Zoom Zoom Jordan eighty three Barons are coming out. I'm like, Do you keep know your what ear to the street? See the Jordans I have are Jordan fives. So whenever I see someone, because those are the ones I had when I was a kid, <laughs> and I wanted, I collected my baseball cards. So if I see someone with Jordan fives, especially a black dude, I'm sorry, but I love feeling cool. I'm like. 
Ah, the fives. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you and you feel bond. The same way? And you bond. Like, you, yes. that black guy, but like, that white boy, no sneakers. Yes. <laughs> Should I fuck with you, white boy? Yeah, need the fives. You know the, <laughs> you know the Zim Zam Zoom shell toes come. <laughs> And I'm like, I did not know that. I, that's I didn't so funny. Know. But that's the end of my knowledge. So I had these white Jordans that I wanted to wear. And there was a little bit of dinge on the back heel. And I don't travel with the toothbrush and all of the sneaker foam and all of that right. stuff. I changed my entire outfit so I could wear a different pair of shoes. Because I knew if I was out in white Jordans at Essence Festival. Yes. And they're not crispy. Yeah. You're going to get talked about. <laughs> You're going to get talked about. <laughs> and they so already funny. had a crease in the foot. So you could tell I'd already worn them before, uh, too. So it, it just, you, you can't do it. Yeah, that is so funny. Yeah, it's... Help me understand something, because you're talking about doing comedy in two circuits. How do you work out? I got the same feeling when I saw Eddie Izzard. You ever watch like an Eddie Izzard mm-hmm. special? You're like, where does this guy work this stuff out? Because his bit yeah, was 40 minutes long. Where did you open mic that? But where <laughs> where does sentence, sentence, period, open mic it? Because there's bits that only work if it's a hot, amazing night out and Bam! Now you're sentence, sentence, period. I can't see that guy at the Village Lantern going up and going, sentence, sentence, period. First of all, you look stupid as hell for wearing that. Does that mean he's doing sentence, sentence, period for the first time? Well, does Hamburger say, happy Halloween, baby, at an open mic and then try it? It's you? possible. Like, there's black, I mean, there's black open mics the same way as white. But so. they can't be as hot. I mean. No, of course like, not. You're going to be doing it for other comics. Of course not. It's a Sunday night at. Yeah. Midnight, and then black open mic is almost you know sharks and blood in the water. Really? Yeah, and you're basically the chum thrown up on stage. <laughs> I I I don't know. I don't know how a guy does the swagged out joke. Maybe you do enough theater shows. I I always feel you like open for somebody or something, then you can work it out. But that's hard to do before you've been on Def Jam. Like, for me, when I was working black crowds and I was trying to work a new bit that. Let's see if black people will go with me. Because some of the jokes was too white. I'll just yeah. be real. Some of the jokes that I wrote and was Do trying to build. you remember a too white joke? Um, give me a second. I'll give you one. <laughs> but I would generally work bits out in the middle of my set. Oh, yeah, sure. Perfect. So I had a bit about You were talking while loans. you were thinking. Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that was amazing. You kept going. You just split your brain into two parts. You're like, give me a second, I'll give you one. And then you're like, but the thing about the... I got one. (laughs) (laughs) That's talent. I had a joke about student loan payments and how harassing the student loan people are. Yeah. But if you're doing a room that's really hood, maybe only a fifth of that room even considered college. Right. Let alone went. Wow. And let alone graduate it. Right. So to the point where you would have the connectivity chasing you. Correct. To to the point where can't we all relate, people? Right. The student loan man, he Right. But if you change student loan to cable or to cell phone people. Right. Now you got a joke. That's so funny. But for me, I try to stay away from that because then I go back to my comic view sheet and it's the joke about bill collectors. Right. Which, in a sense, the student loan thing is a joke about bill collectors. But here's a bill collector that I've yet to see referred to on a regular basis on television. Right. At least in the black world. So I go, okay, it's a black comic. I can talk about student loans in the same vein as – 
motherfucking power company, then you know, like right. all of that shit. Let's just apply that to a college education. And some nights, black people was not fucking with that joke at all. <laughs> you know, but I started, you start figuring out ways, like a bit like that, the same way you have to qualify the ways joke with a little bit of backstory. Right. You can go, there's enough bills as it is. That's why it's hard enough to go to college. I'm telling you right now, if you're trying to send your kids to college, prepare them for this because here's what I'm going Isn't through. Isn't that funny? Same jokes, different contexts. You just yeah. go like, kids, different. Yeah, you all have kids, and I know they tell you to tell your kids to go to college. What they're not going to tell you is how the student loan people treat you, because I've been to college, and let me tell you how these student yeah. loans. Yeah. So now I'm bringing a, black, a new black experience to a black right, audience. Right, 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 right. That's brilliant. So then when I go to Simpsonville, South Carolina, you just chop off the front end. And just now continue. you only have 15 minutes. Because <laughs> you're dealing with a crowd that, traditionally speaking, at that time, more people are going to college. Of course, now we're dealing with the new wave of Gen Xers that have come out of college and they're going right. to comedy clubs and spending money. So it's not an uncommon analogy to make right. with an audience now. But, you know, in 1998, I wasn't that college student loan bit was not connecting with black audiences and you were immediately 19 doing that yeah i mean that's crazy am i wrong in assuming that it was more well tell me what you got from each scene i don't even want to assume tell me the the chops you got the different guidance you got from the from the audiences i think there's something about connecting with the audience that black comedians do they're more present yeah they do it better faster and sooner in their career am i wrong now i'm interrupting i'm sorry no no am no. i wrong because i wh- i grew up going to white church and black church in mattapan which is nice. you know, <laughs> so we had a sister church in mattapan and i would go to that uh from time to time and then i had a very white church and then our pastors would swap too and i remember watching the black pastor that'd be a great show that is a Put great show any <laughs> white guy in black church pastor black swap. guy in white church <laughs> pastor swap so when the black guy, I forget his last name, but his name was Chris, he would get on sta- stage, he'd get out of the pulpit, and he'd just say to the audience, he'd be like, I need to know if you're hearing me. Like, give me some feedback. Yeah, because obviously... White people sit silently and just listen. It's rude to go, that's right. And it's weird that's to just, right. we're with you, we're but listening. So the audiences are great at connecting, and the performer, this being a pastor, was always sending out feelers are you with me? Are you with me? Are yeah. you with me? For me, watching any comedians, most of the time the problem is you're moving on before they a, believe you. They might not believe you. You just said like a weird premise and like, I don't believe you. So we're not going to mm-hmm. enjoy the punchline because it sounds kind of fake. Yeah. But like when the performer's present, you can feel that non-audible sound an audience makes when they don't understand. And if you're being a present person and like a black preacher, you go like, are you not? Are you not following? You know what I mean? There's that (laughs) check-in. Nobody went, "Mm mm-hmm. So it's like, what the fuck is going on? Even if it's not a situation where you go, "Mm mm-hmm, literally out loud. Exactly. Is that right? So, yeah. So that same performance instinct translates over to stand-up comedy. So for me, with black audiences, I learned the art of connecting with the crowd and being a genuine person when you walk up on stage. Right. Because isn't like phoniness? Fuck your jokes. Who are you? Ah! You know, like just being real. You walk out. How y'all doing? How are you? Man? Like address one yeah. person directly. That person for- represents the audience. I forget who it was on Last Comic. It was a black woman and she her opener, which sucks on Last Comic because you can only do it once. She goes, I don't got jokes. I got problems. 
I don't know if that sounds familiar. Oh, uh, but I, that's that to me feels like the Rosji. Rosji. That sounds like the product of what you're talking about. Correct. Fuck your jokes. Who are you? And a phrase like that, you're in. Now, are you corny on the outside, or are you coming in and bringing it? Bring it. I don't. Yeah, I don't I'm here. This is like real. I'm, I'm honest. I don't yeah. got jokes. These ain't jokes. These props. That's right. That's so now right. I'm with you. And you do that. I noticed not you do something brilliant in your sets, especially late night. How do you start a late night set? No good way. No good way no. to do it. You've done something. One, on one of your colonies, you go, let's start. Very funny. Yeah. A very just... funny way. It's a, you're calling it out. That's a funny thing to do. <clears throat> but then something else that you do in a bunch of your sets I saw, you start with like, I just got in an argument with my uncle. I just got in an argument with my friend. You're bringing up tension. Like, instantly I'm kind of interested. Like, I, I was just yelling at my brother about who the best superhero is. It's better than going, Captain America is the best superhero. Because you're yeah. going like, oh, okay, this guy is bringing some emotion and some context. He has family. He's here's a Here's a thing that happened to me That's versus right. here's a thing I'm thinking. That urgency of like, I want to tell you about this. Because you know when you've, you, uh, you air out a fight with your friends? Yeah. So you're treating the audience like, I would just get, are you going to side with me? Are you going to side with him? Yeah. Stakes are up. And we're listening. Help me settle this argument. Exactly. I, damn. It's better than just going, I like Captain America. I don't even notice that. Who fucking that? cares? When I did, <laughs> I think when I did Fallon, I was talking about arguing with my girl about lamps. And <laughs> I can't remember if I did the Fitbit part of it, but that was an argument too. <laughs> See? Yeah. Some electricity, some stakes. So, like for me, on the black side, I definitely learned how to connect with an audience. And then I think with like more of the mainstream audiences and stuff and more on the white side is proper joke structure. Mm. Because if you can tell a joke in a way where if I can properly hide this punchline from you yep. and you never see it coming and I just cold cock you in the back of the head with it. Right. That is pr- where well, you cannot sit like the thing. It's that- like, it's like a black kid goes to an all-white nerd magic camp, but then he comes back to his neighborhood and he uses the mat- the nerd magic that he learned mm-hmm. to do some amazing practical stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like it's kind of corny to be uh, studious about it. Not corny. You know what I mean? It's not like cool to be like uh, regimented, but then you use it as a superpower in both rooms. It's just that there's, there's an element to black comedy that, Depending on the room and depending on the night, let's just say you have a five-minute bit you're trying to work out. You got to come out. You got to joke with the audience a little bit. And the energy may not be right for you to do this joke as you wrote it. Mm. So you may have to do a little bit of it and then segue out into something else. Or you may start tagging the front end. So you'll learn how to create the joke. Right. But now it's like, all right, what the fuck are all these jokes? How do I get this? How do I boil all of that funny down right. to just the structured nugget of it all? It's like, what do you do once you're on late night? Because if you're in, and you know, it's funny, we're talking about black rooms, but we're also just kind of talking about clubs, too. Like, you're making me remember a lot of my club experiences where it's like, sometimes you go up to Saturday night and it's hot and you go mm-hmm. up and you can't just start like a late night set. You feel it out. You make a couple jokes you sense it. You do a bit. It's not working. You abandon it like a wheelbarrow. You just tip it out and do the the end bit. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And then later, when you're on Conan, do the whole bit and do it impeccably. And then what happens, though, what, what you then learn. So this is where I feel like black audiences 
it's so so rewarding. It's so fucking dope, man. But like, you can take a joke that you started building in a black room that gave you a couple extra tags because some dude said one thing, some dude said another thing, <laughs> and then you take that and add it to the structured flow. And now you have this joke that is structured and it is upright and yes, and the student loan payments and yeah, if you're going to, I don't think it's fair that I should have to pay all of the student loans back. I graduated with a 2.7. I didn't learn everything. <laughs> Why should I have to Why pay Why should that? I have to pay all? I don't owe you for stuff I don't remember. <laughs> That's the structured joke as figured out from all the various open mic rooms. So when you start getting into the better comedy clubs and the clubs where, you know, we're talking 60, 40 black audiences, or even if it's 50, 50, now you take that joke. Now you have the structure because you had the time on stage without having to worry about being funny enough to get rebooked to figure out the exact structure. Now you take that shit back to the back to the black club or to a predominantly black crowd. Mm -hmm. And you're telling a structured mainstream joke with black connectivity and a little bit more of a sentence in its period. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I owe all the money. Here's something you don't know about. Let me tell you something about student loans. First thing, they make you pay all the money back. All the money. I graduated with a 2.7. I don't owe you for some shit I don't remember. Who does that? So now you have a student loan joke with a little more pop to it. And you know what's funny? Also, just that tone of voice in a white crowd sometimes yeah. in certain white audiences it would scare people if they didn't know me and they didn't know my persona. Right. It's frustration. It's not anger. Right. And there's right, a line right. between those two so where if funny. you think I'm angry, it's why is this black guy so angry? I don't know. If, why is he so? But if you know, I'm frustrated it's so about funny. it. Funny. Berbigli and I, the second name check, uh, we're talking about when we do uh, the village underground. Sometimes we start noticing, or sometimes at the cellar too, you'll start talking in, Club voice. You do, and, and what that really means is, uh, and I know you know uh, he's done terrible, terrible things, but it's Cosby voice. You start doing it because it has that attitude you're talking about. Where I'm doing a bit, I'm trying to think of one of my bits where uh, I go. Uh, a friend of mine lost his virginity when he was 11 to another 11 year old. I was like, you should stop telling people that because all I hear is I fucked a kid. Yeah, right. So I'm doing that. In club voice, you hear uh, – this is me now. I'm not going to do it on my special. I'm not going to do it most nights. But if it's a little bit restless or a little bit dull and I need to find that power that you're talking about, that mm -hmm. voice, that attitude, I start going – I'm like, you should stop telling people that. It's, you know what I mean? It's just like zip, yeah. zip, 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 <laughs> It's in there. It's, it's not aggressive as you were saying, but it's like – because all I hear is that fucked a kid. You know, it's got that yeah. music. It's more of a ride. It's up and down like San Francisco streets. You're going more places. Then you get on Kona, you can just go, stop telling people that. It's more of a Seinfeld. Exactly. I heard. All I heard was I fucked a kid. And that's just the expectation of the crowd. You know, like I've tried to, like I, I try my best with that to make sure that whatever I'm working on still has some, I don't know if black honesty is a word. Basically, I'm just telling this is another one of my quick flip invented words. <laughs> if I write a joke that I think is really good and has something, I don't respect it until I run it through my nigga filter, <laughs> which basically means this joke must do as well in front of a black audience right. as it does. And there's bits that you'll work on in the city and you'll work on it for months, but you haven't done a predominantly black room yet. So right. I don't really know what this joke is. Right. 
this joke is funny. It's funny to everybody else. Right. But is it funny to black people? What do black people think about this? Because at the end of the day, that's who I'm representing when I'm on stage. So I have to make sure that black people rock with this. Otherwise, it's something that could potentially misrepresent the culture. Or it also presents prisms to the joke that I may not have thought about. Because that's the other thing. For me, Like, if you can't do the joke in front of people that you're telling the joke about, you shouldn't you shouldn't do the joke. So if I'm doing some deep race stuff and I'm talking about the police and how it affects black people and all this shit, then that needs to be done at some point in front of black people. I got a joke right now about DNA testing and all this ancestry shit and how they have black people in the commercials dancing because <laughs> they found out they're 9% Scandinavian or some obscure white country or whatever. And it does well, but I don't trust it anywhere on television until it gets up in front of all black people. It's interesting, though. Of all the sticks you could be measured by, you still go back to the black community, that that specific black comedy club community. You know what I mean? Yeah, There's because, a lot of different cause that Because to me, that's the could, most polished joke. The joke but you that, could say, I mean, of all the things you have to choose from, because you, you've moved not on, but you're not like grinding it out in Birmingham anymore. Correct. You could say, I wanted to kill on Conan. I wanted to kill here. I wanted to do great over here. I wanted to get an applause break at the stand. But you go back to that, to those roots. Yeah, because I need someone to go, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. Because mm. now when I take that joke everywhere else to all of the demographics, I know for the most part, like I had a bit on my my special about how black people um about black people and patriotism and how you can't expect the basic premise was that you can't expect black people to be patriotic because we don't write patriotic songs. We've never shown an ounce of patriotism. We will we'll sing patriotic songs that other motherfuckers wrote, but <laughs> black artists, they don't write original I'm proud to be an American Lee Greenwood, Toby <laughs> Keith. Nobody's pinning in America great, y'all. Yeah. No, nobody's Ch- chances doing. working on it. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the best you got is Living in America by James Brown. Like maybe that's a patriotic song, but even right. at the end of I'm that, I'm scared of the America James Brown love. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's a scary America. <laughs> and at the end of the song, he just starts naming cities, and. Basically, those were just a bunch of black-ass cities. James Brown was just telling black people specifically where in America they could go live. And so the whole joke is a premise about how black people don't sing about America. Black people sing about specific cities where you can have a good-ass time. Like Will Smith, Miami, Ludacris, Welcome to Atlanta, stuff like that. So I start running down all these black songs that are just about cities. Like um, Ray Charles. Georgia. Georgia. Georgia on my mind. Shit like that. Yeah. So... I can tell that joke ad nauseum to a white crowd and build it. But until I put it up in front of black people and wait patiently in that break of silence for somebody to go, no, nigga, you forgot this one song or you forgot that one. Like that. <laughs> you need that. I had a joke. I can't believe you're saying this. It's so funny. I did. I've had a few times somebody heckle or yell out and I go, I'm going to take that. <laughs> like, man, you're yeah. saying that's part of the process. I give you a perfect example of why black audiences are important when you're talking about race and having that filter, having a joke make it through that filter. I was in St. Louis, um, and I don't remember how I worded it or what I said, but I apologize to the lady after the show. I was in St. Louis 
we're talking two months after the Ferguson riots. Like, shit is still smoldering mm. less than f- 10 miles from the comedy club. And I was trying to make a point about the judicial system and how certain things are set up against black people. And it was just, it was, just, it, was a, it was, so it was working on becoming a joke about right. black and police and community relations. I'm trying to figure out how can I say something that, that addresses both sides of the issue or whatever. And this black lady stood up in the middle of the show and checked my ass, hmm. fucking checked me. And it wasn't funny. There wasn't nothing cute about it. You could see the pain. And I, like, it was one of those moments where it took 20 minutes for me to get out of that hole. Whoa. To get back to zero to start making jokes again. What do you like what, this? Like, I can't tell me everything. I'm so interested. I cannot remember the specifics of even what I said anymore because in my head, I'm like, all right, control, alt, delete. And that joke had been working just fine in predominantly white rooms, but in a room where it was predominantly, where it was, there were enough black people for her to feel good enough to stand up and say that. And even if she hadn't said it then, she would have checked me after the show at yeah. the merch table. Yeah. I need that. I need that well, balance. Well, how did she check you? You're talking about race relations in the police. Correct. Right? Not the song song. Not the song. And I wasn't song. on stage on some All Lives Matter shit, but it was something about the body cams and how they work and how you need to understand. Like, whatever it was, it was I was on some... Were you kind of apologizing the other side? And, and, and that's what it came, came across as. Which That's is not kind was, of, that was not my intention though. No, I understand, but so, that is kind of the comedy job. As you go, okay, here's a premise we all agree on. <laughs> correct. I'm gonna look at. I'm gonna try to look at it this other way for funny. Yeah. Now let's it, see yeah. where this line is. Yeah. And she showed me that line. Now imagine if I had taken that same shit and tried to put it on Facebook and put it on Twitter, and that one lady represents the thoughts and opinions and how quickly you could be misunderstood on something so volatile. I would have been fucking ran up the flagpole. Right. What did she did she stand up and say like shame on you? Is that no? She she was she literally just started talking. What you don't understand is that the oh, it was stronger. It, it wasn't like she was shook. She like stood this up. Shit and was a town ass. hall meeting, bro. <laughs> the, the way those Republicans were getting yelled at at town hall meetings. Uh-huh. You ever seen that shit on uh-huh, CNN? Sure. That was me on stage, and all I could do was stand there and take it because were people agreeing? I'm the one, some of the people were agreeing with her. Yeah. So what the fuck I'm gonna do? Yeah. And so you slow it down, you back up, you go back to one, and you re-explain the point you're trying to make. But now you have no comedy. Now you're on stage trying to save your career and pray that it ain't a cell phone in the back of the room recording the whole lot. Right, right. So That goes back to what we were saying. We need room to be wrong. Here yes. you are stretching your legs, and we're wrong all the fucking time. I don't yeah. understand. We don't need to be on the record. What a beautiful thing for you to be taking a chance and a risk, have your ass handed to you. And it's gone. Yeah. You can tell the story on a podcast, but we don't have to see you humiliated. But if I never take that joke to a predominantly black audience to really know what black people feel about this black issue, I'm not doing the joke proper service. Yeah. So, you know, it's not every joke. I mean, I got a joke about kale. I can give a fuck what black people think about my kale joke. (laughs) You know. (laughs) I don't care about that. But when you start talking about ancestry and you start getting into bits about slave manifests and the paperwork on a slave ship, yeah, I need to know that black people are okay with this before I go right. run in my mouth. Is it because you and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say unfairly represent black people? Of like, course, like even I do. as I'm talking to you, of I'm like, God, I, I hope you don't think 
I'm, of course, I, that I'm unfairly having you represent. Because as a black person, you got to watch this dude go on stage and misrepresent your culture. Right. Fuck that nigga. Yeah. That's what they're going to think of me. And once you don't have that support, I feel like as a black entertainer, if you don't have the support of your people, what do you have? Right. What do you have to build on? Because it's so interesting, though. I'm sitting here with like cultural uh, jealousy, where I'm like, "This is why white people love black people." <laughs> it's one of the reasons why we keep stealing from you guys. Is I'm like, I never go like, I gotta see how the Irish feel about this. Well, because you know, <laughs> you know what I <laughs> let's see what they think about this joke at the Lithuanian club. Because <laughs> you, you know what I have to go through, what I have to have, because sooner or later, not always, but it is a very imminent possibility that at some point the mainstream entertainment media may decide that Roy Wood Jr.'s day has come and gone. He did a couple projects. He had a couple things. They were funny. He did his thing. Let's move on to the next black person. At that point, for me, the only culture I have to go back to is my own Mm. when it comes to doing shows and entertaining. When you look at... This is like the... I'm sorry, I got OJ on the mind, but that's that OJ thing where he was like, I'm not black, I'm OJ... And then when he falls, he he has nowhere to go. Yeah. Like he couldn't go back to the black community or like it was difficult for yeah. him to go to any community. But white people sure turn and ran pretty quick. And then he's like, well, I'll go back to my neighborhood. And it's like, dude, you spent the past 20 years being like, I'm, I'm like a white guy. I'm a white guy. Ice Cube has the best. Um, Ice Cube has a song called Be True to the Game. And it's about black people selling out. It's an old school song. And there's a line in there about it that perfectly explains my point. Because if you look at the droves of black actors, yeah, I'm blowing yeah, up the lyric. It. Like, if if you if you look at the droves of black actors and actresses that don't always get opportunities, if you go and you look at pull up the IMDb's of some of the people that have been in Tyler Perry movies. Let's just use Tyler Perry as an example. You pull up their IMDb's, and I want you to look at where they were doing a lot of mainstream studio stuff and then where things started to transition into more black projects. And that doesn't mean that that person at some point isn't, isn't going to be doing other mainstream stuff at some point, but you've got to have that to go back to. Hmm. You can't be, but I don't think I understand. I thought you were going to say like, Oh, you're saying you got to stay be on stage, uncle Tom and, and selling out the black community on perspectives you need that to be sell able out the black culture. I can't do that. You need to be able to cr- cross streams. Correct. Right. Because at the end of the day, I still do represent black people. There are people that have their own perceptions and views of black issues and black causes. So it's my job when I decide to tackle a black issue to make it something that white people can digest and understand the issue without it feeling too militant and something that black people can look at and go, yeah, that's what the fuck we've been trying to say all along. So that lady in St. Louis was saying, you're wrong. That's not what the fuck we're trying to say. That's not the issue. You ain't here. You don't know what the fuck is going on. I took my ass back to Los Angeles and I started reading the fuck up to make sure <laughs> that I get those points right. Because if I'm going out and I'm trying to represent the people and the book, the book, and then <laughs> the club, <laughs> the club, club <laughs> boys, boys. I'm trying to represent the people. I have, a, I have a responsibility to that. There's a reason that voice worked, man. It's a funny voice. You got to get to the people. That's a funny way to say people. <laughs> Here you go. Give it, and this is um, and this was this was Ice Cube. Supposedly, I don't want to say who this was a diss track at, but I know he was talking about cats who sell out 
and then try to come back to the black industry. So this yeah, is Ice after, Cube. I'm sure they know. The I'm sure they know. You was hardcore hip hop. Now look at yourself, boy. You didn't flip flop. Giving our music away to the mainstream. Don't you know they ain't down with the team? They just sent their boss over, put a bug in your ear, and now you crossed over on MTV, but you don't care. But on MTV, but they don't care. They'll have a new nigga next year. Now you out in the cold. No more white fans. No more soul. And you might have a heart attack when you find out the black folks don't want you back. Yikes. So who is it about? <laughs> I need to Google that. <laughs> you don't want to see Originally, I thought river. it was MC Hammer, but I, I know oh, it's not really? MC Hammer because MC Hammer wasn't hardcore hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. It might have just been a blanket shot at everybody. We'll have the producer Google that. <laughs> Alex, can you Google that? Yeah, who was be true who was Ice Cube dissing in Be True to the Game? <laughs> who was he telling so, to be true to the game? <laughs> and I'm not saying that every black performer has that responsibility. It's just that for the type of material I choose to do sometimes in my act. Right. If you're gonna talk about race, if you're gonna talk about body cams, if you're gonna talk about how Black people had a culture stolen and all of that. Like, if you're going to go down, if you're going to go into those weeds, your facts need to be right. And you need to make sure that you're making the exact point that you intend to make. Because if you miss the mark on either of those, you're done. Can I ask you, with all the, you got it? Uncle Tom's in general. Uncle Tom's in general. Yeah, okay. Um, It's funny, as, as you're talking about, you guys have, you guys, that's ridiculous. The black community yeah. has so many things to steal. And, it, I, <laughs> you know, like so many, you guys are such a. <laughs> y'all are fucking up macaroni, yeah. by the way. What I don't know if macaroni like? and cheese was a black thing, but the way y'all. <laughs> what do you mean? We're adding too much like. Fucking truffle oil. I don't know what that shit. <laughs> fucking breadcrumbs. <laughs> here's my question. Uh, I hope I don't put my phone in my mouth. I'm just saying, do you enjoy, it seems like you enjoy having a community. It kind of goes back to my cultural jealousy. You, you yeah. have a group that you belong to, that you feel things together, you experience things together. You have a voice together. I know there's a lot of fucking shit. I'm not trying to say. Yeah, it's a lot of stress. But I'm trying to is. say there has to. Let's do the but. <laughs> you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of stress. Is it? Do you enjoy that feeling? I mean, it's a, it's an identity. As human beings, we're all looking for identity, and it seems to me, hearing you speak, you enjoy going. It's good to know I'm part of this community, and it tells me this and this and this about myself. It's like. It's like those uh, comics who do the joke about how black people nod to each other on the street and how white people don't do it. That's right. It's I, saw, I saw that with the Hispanic community, too. There was this old guy. Because <laughs> I used to do the Boston. I'd leave on the F train at like 2 in the morning. There's always this old, I think he was a Mexican man. And any other Mexican got on, they would nod. They'd sit, sit together and talk. And I was like, I don't think they know each other. No. And I'm sitting there surrounded by white people. The best we do is wave at another Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> We'll wave yeah. at another Land Rover the week we got it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 Stupid. beautiful to be in a situation where there's a lot of black positivity going on and you're just with people that are on the same wavelength as you. Right. Like you someone who you who shares your pain and your frustrations. Yes. It's more enjoy it's a it's a heartier laugh. <laughs> it's like hanging with the friend who gets you. Yeah. Or hanging with that person that went through all those struggle years with you as a comic or went through all those struggle years with you if you were in college. It's funny or that you say that because the closest I come is a comedian. If I'm at a party, like we're both at parties, and there's one other comedian there, I flock to that guy, of course. Even if you don't know him. That's what I'm saying. 
You just know that's, what he does for that's a That's how I can relate to this guy. If they go, uh, that's Todd. He's a comedian. I go to Todd. You go to a party. There's yeah. one black guy. Of course. And you At go. At some point, we will talk. And that's why, like, I, I going back to parallel thinking and stuff, I have a respect for my species, my people of comedians. And I go, we got to settle things right. We got to give perspective and benefit of the doubt to people because I look at it like my group. And and you see that that's, parallel, yeah. And that's the thing that's stressful now about having a kid is that now I have to figure out. One for one, I found out how selfish I was by having a kid. Where I go, damn, it was just all about me. That's now I have to so give a funny. Fuck about another person now, I have no choice. It's illegally binding. <laughs> like now, I have to concern myself with the world that he's going to come up in, and so now I'm more concerned with like youth and like so i've always been a casual booster of my high school baseball team back in birmingham and now like i'm trying to be active like to the point where next year i'm trying to block out a week to go be there with the coach at a camp to work with these kids because i need to start understanding young people and their world because I need to know what the fuck my son is Boy, going to be beautiful. getting himself into. So I have to go, and it's creating this whole – back to the whole black community, sense of community thing. We went, and um, so my high school baseball team, they have an alumni versus seniors game every year. So if no matter how old you are, and you played here, come back and play a bunch of 16-year-olds <laughs> who are going to beat the shit out of you <laughs> and pray you don't blow out a hammy or something. But just in talking and conversing, it was this sense of just understanding off the strength of me being a black man and being present and you knowing that I walk the same shoes as you, there's instant respect and instant connectivity that I wouldn't have had at any other hmm with any other high school or something like that. So it's in that same similar thing as a comedian. There's just this sense of community and giving back, even with comics, man, I'm trying to figure out ways. And I know I can't do it too soon because you piss off people, but you know, there's, there's, there's a few things in the industry and our industry that I feel like could be tweaked. If Mm. somebody gave enough of a fuck to speak up about it. And what do you mean? I I think at some point, like I have, it's more the road than the cities because I don't completely understand the matriculation process in East Coast comedy because I didn't come up in big cities. So I the, I did a bringer show once. Like your your was it was it the pilot where you did the bringer show and you had to fight over the corner or was it the second episode? Oh yeah, the Barker. It's episode four. Okay, well Jermaine Fowler and all of them. Yeah, yeah. Like I did that one time. So I I didn't do that often enough to really understand that world. But mm. I feel like there are. Fewer opportunities. Here's the blunt way to say it. It's a lot of comedy clubs not cycling in new talent and giving new talent an opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. Because they book who they like. They book favorites. They play. Well, they don't have to. I feel like yeah. back in the day, it used to be like we have a new talent night on Monday because we can't sell any tickets on Monday. We might yeah. as well have some open micers here and some new comics buying some nachos because – Comedy sucks and it's not cool. Mm-hmm. But now it's cool and Monday night you got Louie and Chappelle <laughs> coming by. So why why care? But there you are fucking up the system because we need a way to get the new guys in. The farm in. system is Yeah, been, exactly. We need a minor leagues. Yeah. We don't and have a minor leagues anymore. You and I came up in the minors. Yeah. And now there's no minor leagues. Or it's harder. It's but just, even when I was starting, the, the Boston was the only club that I could find 
that would let you bark. I, that's why on the show and in life, I was happy to bark. I was like, it could be depressing and stuff, but I was like, at least I'm getting up in the city. Mm-hmm. And at least a place that I had no credits and wasn't very good, at least they'd put me up in exchange for manual labor. I used to drive up to New labor. York you know what I mean. once every four months when I was still living in Tallahassee. When I first started, I would drive up once every four months. And I barked that first time. And I go, fuck that. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> I would get in Yahoo personal chat rooms and just start conversations with people from New York. And over the course of four months, just start meeting and building internet chat room relationships with just random motherfuckers. And then when I came to New York to do shows, I would email all of them. Hey, I'm in town doing shows. You guys should come to my show this night. No Make way. sure you tell them that you're here for me. And I would get on as a bringer, but everybody I met was from a chat room that I've been gaming for the past three months. That's you just out Dane Cook, Dane Cook. <laughs> like, and I say that with respect to Dane. Like he was in those things trying to make something happen when nothing was happening. But that's next yeah. level. That's Machiavellian. Not in a bad way. That's just incredible. I can't yeah, believe it. And then it. after the show bounced because some of them were women and they thought we were dating. I, <laughs> I would bounce. I would leave immediately after my set. You'd tell the messages on stage. Yeah. I'm not really looking for anything right now. <laughs> I text them after something came up. I just had another gig, and wow. I was playing. I was acting real famous. But that's how you got around it. That's how I got stage time in New York. Was just from people in chat rooms coming to my shows. Because you gotta, you gotta get up. You gotta yeah. get up. But that's next. See, I thought you were gonna say we should get rid of bringing and barking, and you could do both sides to it. But I think there is something about the filtration process, and that's one of the things that crashing is about. It's like a lot of people would like to be a comedian, but can you fit? yourself through this pinhole you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like will you drop the things you need to drop to get through this tight space and we like because i know you did that's one of the reasons why i go to the comedian at the party that's why i have respect for every comedian because i'm like i bet we've done even though we're from different cities you know different in this way this way this way i know you've done this and i know it hurt and i know you didn't quit so can i get you another hawaiian punch so you see what i'm saying (laughs) The connectivity comes through the struggle. So That's it's right. the same thing with black people. I, that, it's got to be some somebody that you have a mutual pain. Right. <laughs> now we can have joy. That's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, you said the thing about the when we talked about the Mexican guy on the train. It's like, I know what it's like to be in your shoes is something I think you said. Like, yeah. I know what it's like. You just see that and you go, okay, all right, I get it. And that's part of why I try to, you know, in terms of just seeing other comics, I try my best to treat all comics as equals, you know, yeah. like the new guys. I mean, you, you meet the Barkers and I'll stop and talk. and I don't really have a lot of advice to give them because there's not a lot you can do other than just But if you stop and talk it. to them, that's huge. Yeah, dude, when I'm at the cellar, sometimes I'll just stand on the corner with them and just talk shit for yeah. a couple of minutes. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's... It, that's very true. And then true. you know what is funny about that? And this is not why you do it, but I've noticed this because now doing a show about barking, of course, I always talk to the barkers, but now you talk to the barkers and you're the guy from the show about barking. They've probably seen it because, you know, someone's like, hey, it's about mm-hmm. this. It's about what you're doing. Um, go on Facebook afterwards because they wrote a post about it and it'll make you – it'll make your heart <laughs> fill up. You know what I mean? <laughs> They'll be like, I saw Roy Wood Jr. Because I remember being on the corner and with, this is why we do it on the show and we're doing it again this season – you're barking and you'd see your hero would walk by. 
and like <laughs> and go into the cell. Like I, I have vivid memories of seeing Artie Fuqua walk by and not having the courage to say, "Hey, oh, yeah," or Dove Davidoff would walk by, and now Dove's on the show. It's crazy, yeah, and, and and he was always cool. That's another thing that we we have in common is the smart guys aren't shitbags. I don't know. I don't have any heroes, and I don't know anybody that's still doing it that was a shitbag. Most, like, you know, they might break balls or whatever, but they had a quiet, like, this is what we do. It's okay. Like, welcome to the team. I'm yeah. thinking of, like, Bill Burr would make fun of me. Yeah. But now, and Bill's on the show this season, and Bill's, like, a friend and a, and a hero of mine. But, like, at the time, they were never shitty about it. They were always cool There was about a genuineness it. underneath that. Because yeah. there's nothing more frustrating. I gave this one comic some advice, like, one of them long... Oh, that's the other thing. Like, I reply to like all emails too, and I, I gave this comic a couple of opportunities. Uh, brought him out on the road, let him open really? for me a How couple did you of meet dates. This guy? Um, they were they were both they were they were from from the south. Uh-huh. This comic was from the south. Can we, and, to speak to that? By the way, there's sometimes a power in being in a smaller place. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Five hundred thousand people in New York try to do comedy. You're like, well, you're in Birmingham or wherever it was. It was easier to game the system. Exactly. Slight slight preference because you're the funny guy in Birmingham yeah. as opposed to one of the 5,000 funny guys in New York. You got you to drive every day or every week to get the stage time. Right. But it's definitely the entry, the entry points are a I, lot easier. I've told so many people literally, and it's always been Portland. I go, go back to Portland. <laughs> yeah, go, go back to Portland. Be the funniest guy in Portland. Be king of the city, and once you're king of the city, then you leave. But, but people, just... I, I want to talk like Tep Jam. People be moving before they need to. Yeah, you know what I mean? Going people be moving. Well, see, you and, don't need to. You know, wait the, till you're so hot. People are going. Why are you still here? The irony is that down south, my opinion at least, is people don't leave when it's time to leave, and they miss their window. Well, that's that's worse, isn't it? I and mean, I don't know what you're I worse. go home and I too early, too scream late. at motherfuckers. I go, bro, it's time to leave. <laughs> you have to Roy, leave. There's only so much you can do here. Have you heard this one? I'll I'll go to New York or LA when they ask me to when go. They call when me, they call me, I'll come. Yeah. Okay. Dude, the phone is unplugged. <laughs> no yeah. one has that number. I mean, unless and they you, don't have a phone. Unless you're banging numbers on Instagram and Vine doing funny shit, they'll never calling right. you. And then what? Then it reminds me of that Ice Cube thing. It's just like, then you're just flaring up because you're money. Because they know they can put a 15-second ad for Sprite at the top of you and make $50,000 and you'll make five. Or I know they make shit yeah, tons yeah. of money. I'm not putting down the money they make. But, you know, you, you don't want that either. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, because I, I don't go across the party to find the guy that's like an internet sensation. And, and I don't mean to disrespect those people. I want the guy that's wedged himself through the needle. I feel like when, when you look at the internet part of it, to me, it, it, my, my issue with that riff between – at least on the black comedy side, there's a riff. I don't know how it is with white people, but there's oh, definitely... Oh, I get to represent white people. Here we go. But there's def- <laughs> well, it's comedians. Let's just talk as comedians. Like, oh, I want to keep it racial. This riff of, oh, the internet people and the sketches oh. and that it, it ain't real comedy. It's just a different type of comedy. And yeah. you can't get mad because an agent wants someone that already has money. And will That's make them a lot of money. agents That's, do. It's show business. That's the game. Absolutely. So... If anything, figure out what they are doing. Right. You know what they're doing? And then combine your stand-up with it. Right. And then you get money, too. It's like, ha! And that's it. 
I used to, I, when I, when I talked when to I all was, them young brothers. When I was coming up, Aziz was coming up and he was doing web videos. And I remember, I didn't think like that's not comedy. I was just like, how do you, you go, how do you do that? This guy was doing both sides of it. Mm-hmm. it I sometimes feel like, I don't know if this is a good analogy, but it's like, uh, internet people are making videos and we know it's a safe environment. You're with your friends, you're editing it, you're showing it. There's yeah. no there's no crowd, there's no heckling, there's no woman standing up and yelling in your face and humiliating yeah. you. So we know that it doesn't have those stakes. It has other stakes. You know, trolls and all that shit. There's a lot of negativity. But it's almost like they're snipers. They snipe from a distance and the stand-ups are like, I go in and I strangle people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're doing it from all, all the way over there. You're still killing people. Maybe you should learn how to snipe and the sniper should learn how to box and we can all just be assassins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because to me, here's my thing with these internet folks, man. Like, people get mad at comedy clubs for booking some of these cats and they go, how are you going to book Jimmy Jack Laugh? <laughs> he ain't got no he ain't no comedian he don't do no time and he probably has and by little the, performance time and by does. the time they're done saying that he sold out seven nights correct <laughs> Jimmy Jack Laugh you couldn't even get out. to the F in Laugh before yeah. they sold out <laughs> sorry so comics will get mad because a club booked this person to me whatever the fuck keep the doors of a comedy club open that's right you better support that See, shit dummy that's because yep that only helps you because helps there's still comedy. 51 other weeks in the year, sir. That's right. That's why it's good. See, that's wisdom, I think. And that's perspective that, we, I th- again, we're the same age. We get when we go, it's good. You start thinking of this third thing, which is comedy, that we're all kind of in service of. And when I remember people being like, uh, that didn't like Dane, and he's doing all these colleges. And I was like, I used to do colleges. And so many more people were there because they were like, Dane does colleges, and we thought you might be the next kind of Dane. I was like, yeah. it's in service. So the motherfuckers that go and see Jimmy Jack laugh, the next weekend might go, hey, we had a great time at Jimmy Jack laugh. Let's go see who's there this weekend yeah. because the club isn't stupid, and, and they give them two for one. Away. And you got new fans because we're all putting our dick in the same thing. Because you're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Why make it sexual at the end? Because your performance, your live performance skills are 20 years deep. Jimmy Jack laugh got on stage and did a bunch of the stuff that yeah. he did off the internet and those were his fans and they were happy. You can't yeah. be mad at that. Right. But go how good Jimmy are Jack. you going to look? Yeah. <laughs> go to Jimmy Jack and ask him, how did you do that? What's your strategy? Go read up a book and figure out what you can do That's right. in your comedy and attack the web and the marketing aspects of it. The same as one of these Vine stars or internet stars. That's right. And there's something to be learned from That's that. That's right. It's like shoplifting. You're, it's, it, it's, knowledge is like stealing from the... They knew something that you didn't know. Instead of belittling it and saying it's not real, maybe you can take a little piece of it no, and turn it into something. I don't want to do that because it's easier just to get mad because <laughs> he didn't wait for 15 years to do Letterman and then get a show. <laughs> he didn't do it like I did it, so his stuff has no validity. Right. That's the dumbest thing. We don't you know, have the luxury of picking how you're going to make it. You need to, any any opportunity, any little thing that you have, that's, you know, that's the part I You know what Vine stars are? And I told this to one of my friends. Like, internet stars, and this is why comedians get mad. Like, internet stars are, if entertainment, think of entertainment as a grocery checkout lane. Okay. And you're waiting in line to get your success. And there's one lane open for music. There's another lane open for dancing. There's another lane for acting. And then there's the comedy lane. And it's long. Mm-hmm. The comedy lane is long. And just as you're getting your card up to the front, 
cashier comes and opens up a vine register. And everybody in line behind you surges forward to the vine register. And yeah. now, and that register's moving fast. And you've been waiting in this checkout yes, line yes. for 20 minutes. And yes. now this fuckhead is already on his way right. out the door with success. Yeah. Fuck him. And he didn't even have to talk to a register because it's all digital. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fast. And he sweats yeah. his guard. Self-checkout. So yeah. you're just mad because you're waiting in line long and there was a new lane. Well, go over right. to that lane and see what's going and on. And now I'm going to sound like an old man. And the vine kids, because I, I used to vine message and stuff with some of these guys that I thought were really really funny and uh, they need to they, they need to talk to us too I know I sound like an old man but it's like oh, they, they have do. something to learn from us but we have something to learn oh, from them because they go do these live shows and some of them eat a dick right. and some of them <laughs> some of them eat it bad yeah and some of them longer than six seconds <laughs> some of them are learning the art of live performance and they have it worse than us when it comes to live performance they're because they're already famous they have no yeah so yeah. you're performing new jokes with expectations that's at right. least at an open mic there was no expectations that's right that's right so i'm here to see you i paid 25 dollars. Right. you need to be as funny as you were right. on my phone when you could edit and rewrite right or i'll be mad or I'll be and mad. That's really, see, that's and what, it's that, unfortunate. That's what Dimitri Martin said to me. Again, I was very fortunate when I was starting out to have these little brief conversations. These are barking conversations. Talking to Dimitri on the corner, talking to Bill Burr, whatever it might be, these people pass by, like the advice you give. He said to me, anonymity is power. He goes, and he's like, look, I'm the one-liner guy, and I do this thing, and that's what people expect from me now. And that's great, because I like that. But nobody knows anything about you. And there's the scary, cold way to look at that. Mm-hmm. And there's the infinite possibility way to look at that. You can go to an open mic. Nobody knows who you are. You can go to an open mic, do one-liners. You can go to the open mic, be filthy. You can go to the open mic, be cerebral. It doesn't matter. You can go any direction. You're totally free to move. And, you, and instead of being like, nobody, I'm not famous – Fame isn't the game. Fame, what you're saying is the game. Who are you showing who you are? That's the game in comedy, and that's just the game in life. The fact that King Batch is a great example. King Batch? King Batch. Andrew Batchelor, great actor. He was a Vine star. He's transitioning over, sold a couple scripts to Fox. He's doing very well from himself. Yeah, he went to film school, but yeah, he's a great example of someone who came up on the internet and then started performing around Los Angeles. Sometimes promoted, sometimes not promoted. Yeah. And sometimes he would go out on the road and he would host. Sometimes he would headline. But he played it slow. He he slow played it. You know who so, else? Yes. It's like Will Ferrell. The difference between uh, some of these comics that get movie opportunities and they're like, I want to head, I want to be the star of the movie, and then they fizzle away. Sometimes Will Ferrell goes, I'll be the fifth hand in old school, and I'll crush it. Yeah. You know what I mean? All you need is slow two play. scenes. Slow play. Charlie Day. That shit. Slow play. You know? Yeah. yeah, exactly. They're not in a rush. And so, like... Frank the Tank. And so what I was trying to tell other comics that were like, oh, man, yeah, these Vine niggas, man, they, all these folks trying to come and, and, and do comedy now. Well, then what the fuck does that tell you the worth of live performance? <laughs> if somebody who's killing it online thinks that they need to be able to do what you do then maybe you need to do what they're doing online because they see – these youngins, they're, they're smart enough to realize internet plus stage presence yeah. equals total domination. Yeah. 
But everybody from in our generation just goes, no, keep going to open mic, keep doing your thing. Right, 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 and right. one day right. you'll get on James Corden and then you'll be famous. <laughs> no, it's your it, old guy voice is great. <laughs> I wish you would do the whole episode yo, man, in that old guy voice. There's nothing more frustrating <laughs> than talking to bitter, angry comedians who won't get off their ass but don't and be creative th- like these youngins. That pain that they're feeling is also a little bit of frustration with themselves. It's like how many comedians we know that are our age and they didn't get their website. <laughs> Oh, dude. So it has to be like their you know name. You like, Your their name, ah! comedy. Their name, stand-up. And it's like, because you thought the internet was stupid. <laughs> you thought it was dumb, and now you're blah, blah, comedy.net. I fucked up. I didn't buy the misspellings of my name. Oh, that's that funny. Was, that's always my advice. Because people put an S on it. Some people put S's. Oh, Woods. Because it's Tiger Woods and all yeah, that. So yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, that yeah. it's hard to get people to understand that's to take that S off. I hear that. And some Asian scooped it up and won't let me have it. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like some Asian website. Oh, I thought you said agents. No. <laughs> some no. <laughs> no, some Asian dude got my misspelled. Like, that's my advice to other comics, too, is that if you're going to buy your, buy your name, yeah. but buy some of the comics. Like, if you're John, buy it with the with or without the yeah, H, H or whatever. Yeah. That's interesting. I've never. That's. I think that's smart. And just let all that shit auto fire back to you, because yeah, yeah, otherwise yeah. you'll run into a lot of issues. Yeah, that's interesting. Like I did. <laughs> well, uh, I can't believe we're at the ninety minute mark. We always talk about the meaning of life. You just had a kid. Yeah. What's it all about, Roy? <laughs> what what is what's going on here? You just watched something alive come out of your girlfriend. Correct. Out of your girlfriend, the literal magic portal of life. A soul came out of, like, I'll trip out on thinking about that all the time. So basic, but the sperm goes in and the egg and then it grows and then something comes out of a portal. You know, like in Stranger Things, you're like, if you go in this tree, you'll be in the upside down. That's what your kid just did. It went through a thing. It came out the upside down. It came out and now it's in the right side up. (laughs) And it's like, "Ah, what the fuck is going on here? Like, did you, were you raised religious? How do you process reality? Yeah, so that's that's the thing that you don't take stock of. Like, you want to talk about some stuff I really want to work out on stage. I'm trying yeah. to work out the relationship I had with my father growing up. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. What was it? It was good father, bad husband. So that confliction. Uh-huh. Of, Were your parents together? Correct. They were, okay. But my dad cheated a lot. So what's together mean? Right. I mean, he died. They were still married. But right. Is that together? If you still spent nights with other women? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What the fuck does together mean? What is love? What is, like, so that sense of when your kid is born, you go through, all right, what was good from my childhood that I can bring into this parenting situation? And what shit do I need to leave behind? Right. So you start... It's the first time I ever really took stock of my parents' behavior and choices from whipping to not whipping, when to discipline the child, when to comfort the child, when to – like I give you a perfect example. Like my son, um, he's crawling. He walks and crawls and his move now, there's like a little area between the couch and the window that he can kind of crawl in between and – walk along the side of the couch or whatever. Hmm. But hmm. he's too scared to step down the three inches off the windowsill to get back on the floor. I guess to him, he's up 30 feet, right. 30 right. stories in the air. 
So he cried a little bit. And I went over to get him, and I was like, nah, I'm going to sit here next to you while you fake cry because you can't get down and you want me to pick you up and get you it's down. like when to coddle. Yeah, so you need to learn how to step down off this thing. Right. All right, so I'm going to sit here with you for a second. He cried and cried and didn't do it. So then I pick him up and put him on the ground. Then you coddle. Right, right. And that second part of it, I never got that part of the game. Yeah, growing up, I didn't really get that that much. You got the you can. I'm not going to help you because you're crying, but you didn't get the like. Correct. Now so that the trauma's learn, over, let's celebrate. With correct. Your, with I learned how to grow up and learn how to deal with you know adversity. So that was a good. That was good. Right. On my father, and my mother's account, but yeah, you know, my mother coddled. But I'm talking about strictly about my father right, right now. Like, right. I never got that part of it. So I want to make sure my well, son male gets sensitivity that. is is. Huge. Correct. I think about that all my the time. My son needs to get that from a man. Did you just watch that? Uh, uh, Jay Z put out the four forty four video, and it was just oh yeah, black the footnote videos. Yeah, he was just yeah. talking about like about male, male sensitivity. Yeah, yeah. and about, I thought that was very moving. I mean, here's some you know, I don't want to hard. They're, they can be hard rappers talking about. You know how important it is to show their heart. I'll murder and kill you. Exactly. To the Jay-Z. Well, you know, my father. (laughs) Well, you know. My last conversation (laughs) with my dad, it was was very difficult. But like, I I just, I was like, that's what you should be doing with that level of influence. I think that's just a beautiful choice to put a video like that. I have to show him, I have to show him the right way and the right approaches to stuff. Right. And then I have to figure out, I have to figure out where religion and spirituality are concerned, that's a dicey one. Yeah, I was raised, I was raised in the church, and somewhere around middle school, Southern Baptist, uh-huh. and so somewhere, you know, black church. Are you with me? But Birmingham, I don't hear y'all now. God got to get them. come on now, <laughs> like that type of. I mean, we had uh, another guest years ago. I'm pretty sure he's from Birmingham. Talk about the church is like different in the South, not just like the enthusiasm levels and stuff, but it's like. It's serious. People mean it. They get into it. They help each other and stuff. I don't yeah, know if that was there's, there's a yin and yang with it, you know, because in my time, when I, did, when I did morning radio in Birmingham, we would do a lot of stuff with popular black churches. And, you know, these churches do help the communities. Church is a great place to have a center to help yeah. create a moral core. Sure. Church will give you a moral core. That's why the the chapel used to be the tallest building. That's why it has the steeple. Because mm-hmm. it was like that's where you go. You're new to town. You go there for help. You need a blanket. There's that's how you can find yeah. it. And now it's very funny. You can't see a steeple in the main <laughs> yeah, skyline. It's all Trump's it. golden dick shooting <laughs> up. And I'm like, oh, capitalism. <laughs> but I mean, there was a beautiful sentiment to being like, this is our priority. Is a beacon of help. You know, it's yeah. like this is where you can come. For it was this safe place food. and. It was better than public school. You may you had it. The other thing was that it introduces you socially to different types of people because it's kids from all zones at your church, whereas at school, that's a whole different set of friends. Mm. So I value that. But church then there's friends. there's also this beratement that comes with religion sometimes that I just I don't rock with that shit, yeah. man. I mean, there's churches that demand that their congregation turn in their W-2s every year so we can make sure you're tithing the right really? amount. Really? Yeah, this is South shit. I don't know if they do it, if there ever been churches on the white side that do that, but there are for sure, for sure, 
churches down south that want your tax returns before you can join. Because and see, what? And I, see, see what I'm saying? So it's like talk about the spirit of the law and the letter of the law. Whenever people talk about the, I believe there is some biblical precedent. What an interesting thing to say on a comedy podcast <laughs> for giving 10 percent of your income. And I know that a lot of churches have taken that literally to heart, and I get it. But, you know, the verse that I love is that it says God loves a cheerful giver. That doesn't sound very cheerful. You know what I mean? If somebody's <laughs> auditing you, yeah. we're, we're talking about a spirit of generosity way more than we're talking about you need to give us 10%. Of, what if you don't have enough? You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> like be a giver in the way that you can be a giver, not in the way that someone twists your arm into giving. That's 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 not what I think but, it is about. But are you willing to roll the dice on your child's moral core to keep him away from that and hope that he learns decency from just you and your from you and his mom? Right, but you you're coming that's, up in a much different place. I mean, you can find a church, take any issue, any core issue of a church, and this is something that Val and I talk, my girl talk about. It's like are we going to send them to church? And I go back and forth because you can find incredibly liberal, incredibly open-minded places that are social active first. Like we're help, we're here to help first. We're here to give a sense of community first. Yes, and that that part of it, yeah, that's invaluable. Yeah, and I can't give that to my kid. Right. You can't. You have to go and acquire that. Right. Out and you, you could be use out. some help. You could use a little help yeah. with going. This is what we do. I, I, you know what I'm afraid of is being a parent that has a kid. We don't take them to church. And then the kid starts shooting uh, like a crossbow at, at deer and shit and torturing rats and stuff. And then I go, that's it. We're going to church. Like but it's too late. Did you ever watch Dexter when it was on on a Showtime? A little bit. I couldn't handle it. There really. were flashback scenes where they show him killing animals as a kid. Yeah. And his father like – Grooming him like, okay, Dexter, you're killing animals. Just do that. Take care of your urge by killing animals. Oh like, what? No. Get him, <laughs> take him to a therapist. Like, at no point in the series, Don't Dexter. Don't get wrap. Get him to a doctor. At no point in the series do we acknowledge that Dexter had a fucking horrible father That's who wouldn't so get his kid the psychiatric funny. help he needed. They wanted to get to the premise so quickly that they just had a dad that was like, I get it. I get it. Like, yeah. The first time he did some <laughs> shit, he was like, That's okay, son. I love that show but the flashback scenes were all bad parenting <laughs> every last one of them premise alert so so you understand there's some draw to the church i just don't know how i'm going to handle it i maybe i'll take him to church and then on the way from church i go all right forget the jesus stuff but just remember right remember be good but i think be nice you, to people there are some churches that do have a healthy dose of forget the jesus stuff you know what i mean they're just kind of like this is the story we're going with i, I don't know I, i'm with you i don't really know I've had that same exact fantasy where I'm like, we could send them to church, but then afterwards we have some sort of debriefing. But I think there's more and more the yeah. emergent church movement where it's like, we're going to not try and yeah. brainwash or some alt spirituality type spot. There's got to yeah. be something like that. But well, then, you live in LA. No, no, I'm here. I'm no, in New York right. now. That's I'm right. in New York now. The Daily Show, right. But like, I feel like it was also the other thing that was valuable for church was positive, positive role models, white and black, because. I don't know what kind of school he'll end up in, but the, the thing that I think would be most valuable for my child and something that I value in looking – just auditing my entire childhood was being around people of other races as early as possible mm -hmm. and learning about other cultures and not being in that cultural bubble. Mm -hmm. I, I was in a cultural bubble until the sixth grade when I got bust out to a white a white middle school out in the suburbs 
and that was like my first like real experiences with white people and Latinos and like right. I lived deep in the hood so it was none of that. So then when I came back to a black middle school, I felt like I was more well-rounded. I ended up going to a pretty mixed high school. I mean, we had like we had I've been a Russian. Like I, I was like a Russian in Birmingham what the fuck is this? <laughs> so that experience I want my son to have yep. as early as possible. I hear that. Mm-hmm. Well, what about your personal beliefs? Like you're Roy, you're, you're, I like to say you're stuck in there. Yeah. <laughs> you're going around, you have your thoughts, you're with you all day. When we look at the world and when you think about things like death or where you came from or um, serendipities and weird things that happen in your life or do you talk to people in, that have passed? What do you, how do you file these things in your life? I feel like – if we're just going blunt spirituality, all right, I was raised Baptist. But then I look at the concept of I took I took an intro to religion class mm-hmm. in college, and that's what really kind of fucked me up on like staying on Baptist and this this is what happened to right. Jesus. And I'm telling you, it's Jesus, nobody but Jesus. Like, right, well, right. Well, listen, it's there's something. So if that's a denomination, it's, I love that, there's man. something. That's my favorite. And I'm never going to forget the face you made when you looked up and went, there's something. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. I'm going to act right, and hopefully whoever this person is, that's, that's male, female, their name, whatever, Yeah. maybe they'll, I don't know, maybe they'll watch my hour special. Be like, come on in. That's great. It was a good James Brown joke. But <laughs> I do feel like. Do I pray? I pray. Hmm. Not all the time. I'm not running to go to church when I'm back home. But if time permits, I swing by church. But that's also more cultural. Yeah, it's more cultural. I have a respect for that pastor. Um, I also also went through a period in my life where. Does he reference you? I see Roy Woods here. <laughs> yeah, and he'll call me out like, good to see you every three years, Roy. Like, <laughs> it's good. He's a good guy. Shout out. First Baptist Ansley. That's hilarious. Um, Some of the most judged moments. How can I put this? Some of the times in my life where I felt the most judged and the most insulted was from religious people, Mm -hmm. like hardcore, devoutly religious people. So, I know you shouldn't judge an entire denomination on one person, but I'm just telling you what shaped my transition from the intro to religion class into these people being just so, just so mean, man. Like I, you know, I work at the hip hop station. So now I'm getting the, you play the devil's music lecture. Dude, the first time I did stand up, my mom's church friend wrote me a letter, handwritten letter, crazy, (laughs) scary old lady cursive. (laughs) <laughs> and she and it had Bible verses like "Woe to you that offer strong drink to your neighbor," and I, it was because I was performing in bars. Woe to you! Like Woe that's some to you. She went Leviticus. <laughs> she wasn't. Yeah. She wasn't making it up. She was finding verses to say, "I don't think you should do this." And I was like, "Oh, I, so I know what you're talking about." I got, I got, I got arrested when I was 19. We were still in jeans. And so, who was in I, jeans? It, it, me, I was still in jeans. <laughs> you don't wear jeans anymore. And so, and so, during that time, dealing with probation or whatever, like 
I've never felt more judged by people who's supposed to be forgiving mm-hmm. and is supposed to preach forgiveness and right. second chances you know and I- all of this turn the other cheek shit than during that time, coupled with me being on the radio, coupled with me having this wealth of knowledge of other religions and other perspectives and how regional our perspectives are, sometimes based on where you came out the upside down tree from. That's right. So a lot of your perspectives may simply be based on where you were born. That's it. That's the first step to some some real freedom right there. Is what I'm realizing that and I and I hell it might the solution might just be to just give my son a religion book and just read up on this stuff and just know it's something. There's There's something there's actually a children's book that I've read that explains all the religions. Like one of those like coexist bumper sticker books. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I remember I read it. I was like, I could use a, a refresher. And it had all of it. It was like, atheists think when you die, it's over. And it's okay. And it, we all have each other. And you turn the page. Christians believe that Jesus is a guy. And, and it, I, I kept yeah. looking for flaws. And I was like, they kind of nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> what? So you know what I think it is? It's like when you're not eating bread – and you see someone eating bread, you get really mad. Right? <laughs> so I feel like a lot of like religious people, because I used to be a person like that. I didn't eat bread. And then I would see people eating bread, and especially people that claim to be a non-bread eater eating bread. And I'd get really mad. Mm-hmm. And the truth was I wanted bread, and I hated that I couldn't eat bread. And I see you eating bread, and you're listening to hip-hop or whatever it is. Or you're yeah. doing comedy, or maybe you're enjoying strong drink without feeling woe being put upon yeah. you. People get angry. They're in pain. I feel like a lot of people that lash out in that way and judge are in pain and they won't, they need some help. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. need some understanding. I don't mean like psychological help. Maybe that's part of it. I'm speaking about myself. But it's like they're they're hurting and they want to hurt. Hurt people hurt people. So they're like, you suck. Why were you arrested? May, or do you want to like not? No, no. It was jeans, Pete. I went and stole some jeans. <laughs> and then the police said, motherfucker, you can't steal jeans. <laughs> Come bring your ass to this jail. Cross color? And so, no. Come on. <laughs> it was 98. Cross color was already out by then. It, it, it was, uh, what it was we, already what, done. What are we doing? It was Tommy. You got to go top chef, bro. Gonna, it was Tommy. Tommy Hilfiger, baby. Of course. Come on. It was, <laughs> So you yeah. stole some jeans and you got in trouble. Yeah, and so... But then you're also breaking into comedy and stuff. You are kind of... You're going well, into that's the part devil's of what, work. That's part of why I got into comedy was the depression over the arrest. Is that right? Yeah, I thought I was going to prison. The number one TV show on HBO at the time was Oz. <laughs> I thought I was just going to fucking just get this, beat up in prison rape. walls, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, let me tell these jokes to deal with the pain. And then... Wait, in prison you got funny? No, I didn't go to prison. I'm oh, saying right. I thought I was going to go to prison. I'm thinking you're going to prison. You didn't go no, to No, no, it's jeans. You're 19. You don't send me to prison. You right. just make me go and pick up paper on the freeway and you can... Is that what you did? Yeah. So but you got scared. Hell yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I, I, like, I better develop a personality. shit together. I need to do some sentence sentence period or I'm going to get sentenced, sentenced period. <laughs> Badjoke.net. Nicely done. <laughs> so it, it was during that time where you start realizing who your friends are and who who you can really count on and stuff, man. And I really feel like... Because you felt like a pariah? Like, yeah. Really? 100%. Huh. And so you look at that in a world where up until that point, you were sold that people are supposed to forgive. And I wasn't feeling a lot of that from people. I was feeling a lot of judgment. And that was also coming around the same time when we started to do radio. So now you're dealing with people like legit devout Christians, like telling me, 
you play the devil's music. And I also used to do prank phone calls. And yeah. so with my prank calls, it's a lot of vulgarity. It's a lot of cussing. <laughs> and that ain't what you're supposed to use your yeah. gift for. And blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but the thing that I always, you know, I've always had a good moral core. I feel like because of my childhood and because my mom worked really hard at making sure that I knew right from wrong and that I showed respect to people. And I feel like religion helps, but you can still raise a decent human being if you just stay on top of them about being polite and being cordial. Like I remember, man, fuck, bro. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, any gift I got, any money I got from anybody, anything that came into the home from a third party, I cannot spend, I cannot touch, I cannot play with until I wrote a thank you note. Mm. Mm. So that just, my mom taught me gratitude. And so that's the one thing that I look back on and I go, oh, maybe that's where I got that from. Because anything good that happens to me, man, I try my best to show some level of appreciation to people just to let them know, I know you didn't have to do that, Mm. but you did that for me. And I'm... What about, Thankful. And I, I love that, that the civility and the kindness and the gratitude and all that. What do you think is going on here? Do you think there's a meaning to life? You're, you're here to do some work, figure something out, just be good, and then we die. And then what do you think happens? <laughs> you know, like, I think we all, we all feel like we all, at least I, I, I entered entertainment. My opinion of the world was that, you know, if Earth is a TV show, you know, I was, you know, second lead. We all want to be the star of the show Mm. when in actuality it's an ensemble and you may just have one line. Like, I think my existence is this is a horrible analogy. Oh, I, I love this. I'm my existence may just be to be the dude who comes up to Game of Thrones and just comes up to Cersei and just, you have a raven letter. (laughs) All right, goodbye. (laughs) And that's it. And that's all I do. Right. But damn it, do it well. You know, I don't know the meaning of all of this. And, you know, you start thinking real deep about this world, it really makes you wonder what the fuck is on the other side. If, If this is the waiting room, (laughs) because you know this is this is cool it's nice but there's a lot of different experiences because i would guarantee you you know someone that's had a better existence or the meaning you know like you could ask five you know ask me ask a child soldier ask a rich politician ask an athlete ask an impoverished person ask them all the same question that's that answer is not going to be the same that's right i feel like for me, having a kid, it's made me the most aware of my death hmm. as I've ever been. Because you just made your replacement. Literally. Yeah. Literally. And, and he's trying on your pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everything that I do now is to prepare him for the world. Like I, I'm in a panic because I know if I die tomorrow, all my shit ain't together. Mm. It's it's enough. Yeah. 
but it ain't as perfect as I want it to be so mm-hmm. that there's certain things he never has to worry about. Mm-hmm. So I have to bust my ass. That's why you go down to D.C. and do a quick flip <laughs> so you can be your ass back in town to try and get a little FaceTime with him because, you know, if you go do sets tonight, he'll be asleep by the time you get home. So for me, I don't know what the meaning of life is. I don't – I've never – I've been very short-sighted. Until I had my kid. But now now it's like zooming out and going, oh, shit, the whole world is fucked up. Fuck, I've got to do stuff to change it. Okay, okay. Um, All right. I got to try to help younger comedians. So this industry is like, I got to go down to the baseball team. I got to talk to these young kids. We need, need, the world needs good people. There's not enough good people. Right. Oh, shit. Let's make one more. Let's got. Let's got. Yeah. Let's let's make one more. <laughs> All right. Hey, son, do a lot of good stuff. <laughs> maybe listen to this podcast after I'm dead, and then you'll know how to act. <laughs> I think about that all the time. Yeah, but I, think about I that all the time. I legitimately think more about what I can do to make sure that he said, like, I won't check back in mentally until I know that my son is in a place where if I die tomorrow, there's certain structures in place. It's like breaking bed. Yeah. You're trying to hit, hit a number, hit a place. And now you have two hours, you have two hours of proof that your dad wasn't a dick. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying you're going to die. Yeah. I'm going, I'm no, no, but you're right premise. though. That's, it's yeah. literally breaking bad and yeah. comedy's the meth. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just trying to make enough. Yeah. And I'm trying to make enough to yeah. make sure that when I die, my family's straight. Yeah. 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 So for me, that meaning comes down to, doing what I can to provide and being a better person to other people. And I think my obsession is on trying to make the world and things better mm-hmm. and using what assets, and I don't have a lot of them now, but as I acquire them, using those assets and opportunities to lean on people. I, I'm hurt, man, that that I'm not able to yet do everything I want to do that. Cause I have like, you know, you have ideas. Like, oh, this would help a lot of people. Ooh, that would help a lot of people. I could do something as simple as do, you know, like knowing what I know about journalism now and my degree, the reason why most black kids can't intern at a major media company, like people go, Oh, well, there's not enough black people hiring black people to hire black people. Well, a lot of those opportunities, a lot of people grow from internships. You can't get an internship in a major city because most of these major cities, you can't afford the rent, man. Mm. So you just a fucking black kid on a bunch of student loans. You can't afford to live in New York and intern at one of these conglomerates. Mm. But if there were a place where you could stay for free and do that, then that to me, like, Mm-hmm. Stuff like that, man. I, like hear that's, that. I hear that. That's what I'm on. Like, I'm on. We were just yesterday talking about a, a comedy apartment. We've always had the idea. Comics just, will fuck it up. I'm talking yeah, about I, I know. I know. That's what, that's what we ended on. We were like, you can't trust these kids. With this. <laughs> like, you're, I wasn't sure it would work. But what you're talking about, a scholarship apartment place. The comedy condo, of, it, it's every week. It's comics who are paid. To come and to this city and they fuck it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a comic that's unpaid is going to treat your right, free right, pad? Right. No. Everything's going to be covered in it, semen. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, man. I love what you said. I thought that was a great, a really wonderful answer, especially that it's a TV show and you're second lead, but the lead is all of us. I think that's a really yeah. beautiful way to put We're it. We're all bringing the 
Raven letter. Exactly. But Roy Wood Jr. doing what Roy Wood Jr. does is more data for all of us to see you now, to study you later, whatever it is. Everything is kind of grinding together to figure ourselves out. Do you ever think about your child being better than you? (laughs) Do you? Yeah. (laughs) I do. I do. I do think. Is that a worry or are you like, I hope this guy kicks my ass? I would be proud, but it's, it's, (sighs) but it's like, damn, I got to get this money. Hurry up before he coming on my heels. That's so funny. Yeah. It's like, well, you don't want to be at that baseball game and he's 16. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you're 50 something. Yeah. I just want to make sure that, you know, my kid and my family have, have options. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. and that that's the thing that you don't have when you come up poor. You don't have options. You have no choice but to take this job because you have to pay this. But you have no choice but to go here because of this thing. Whereas if you took all of that off the table and you have if, if there isn't anything else that I'll give my kid, it's the sense that he could do anything. Mm. And I think that's something that you could still give to other people. But. My mom, God bless her, dude. My mom didn't approve of me doing comedy when I first started. Mm. And she still put down money to get me a car so I could stop sleeping in bus stations. Mm. So that type of blind support. That's right. That's what you got to be there for. That's the stuff. That, that's great. You know, right so it's just about being good to other people as much as you can. That to me is, that's what life is supposed to be. You right. know, and you don't let, you can't let the bullshit pollute you. That's 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 the other thing is that you have to protect yourself from the negativity. Mm-hmm. Which, thankfully, I have to credit NBC for this. Um, when I did Last Comic Standing, this was like oh nine maybe something, like, but it was like when Twitter and the concept of live tweeting was kind of a new thing. Yeah. And the network made us live tweet um, on Twitter, like every yeah. every Monday. Yeah. Every Monday night in real time, I had to read the worst things being said about me. Wow. Mixed in with the best. And it fucks with you for a week or two. But then after a while, you literally, it's all white noise. And you learn how to focus on yourself and... Mm. You see people that say something reinforcing and stuff like that. So to read all of these insults and all these worst things, it made me impervious. Mm-hmm. So now, literally, nothing bothers me. Right? Like you're whatever. not other. You are not other people's opinions. Yeah. Other than a black lady that lives in Ferguson who got pissed off right. or something. I she said. she gets a she gets to write her tweets in yeah. bold. Yeah. That was <laughs> that was fair. But yeah, it's it's just about not letting negativity yeah get to you as well. That's great. That's great. Uh, well, oh, wow. That's the two-hour mark, which is, we just aim for that kind of loosely. We always, after we get deep, get a little lighter. Okay. I'll give you a speed round because you're so interesting. <laughs> that sounds like the people I don't give a speed round aren't <laughs> interesting. That's not what I mean because I have the energy and I think you're great. Just uh, what what is one of the, and this is just kind of like short answers or whatever. You don't have to get too deep and don't, you know. What is like a great lesson you've learned about comedy oh shit <laughs> uh some good advice someone gave you or something it doesn't have to be huge i'm, tr- I'm trying to think um <laughs> oh our city hall 
um, I told this story on um, This Is Not Happening. Long story short, I went on Star Search. I bombed. And one of the celebrity guest judges was B2K. This is when they did the remake of Star Search in 03. Not right. the old school. Were you Ed going McMahon. with John Roy? Um, no, John Roy was the week before me. Oh, okay. It was, I was on. Owen Wilson? Owen Smith. Owen Smith. Owen Smith was on. Ty Barnett. I, yeah. I, I was on. I did the episode with John Heffron and um, Alonzo Bowden. Okay. And uh, I think Mark Ryan was in there too. So B2K is a celebrity guest judge. And they shit on me bad. And they give me one star out of five. And for a split second, I wanted to go over and fight them on live TV. Like I legit, like, like I postured and squared my shoulders towards the table (laughs) in Arsenio Hall. I've told the story before. It's it's very slight, but Arsenio, as a black man, he knew exactly what the fuck was about. He knew what was going on. And he just grabs the tail of my coat. He just goes, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> and it's off mic, so you can't hear this conversation. He's just going, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> and so during the commercial break after that, <laughs> as we're walking off stage, Arsenio goes, everybody will forget a bad joke. Nobody will forget a bad attitude. Wow. And I was like, damn, that's fucking... That's good. Some real shit. That's good. Because if I'd have snapped on him for the rest of my life, I'd be the guy who tried to fight B2K. And I'd be working now, 14 years later, to try and... Yes. Try and remedy that. Yeah. And it's like, no. What about writing? What's a great thing you've learned about how you write? Uh, For me, my process is finding things that bore me or frustrate me. Bore you? If it's boring, I will probably find a joke in there. Hmm. I try... I don't succeed, but I try every week to watch an hour of TV program. I try to consume an hour of media, be it TV, magazine, newspaper, whatever, of something that I normally would not watch or read. Get out of here. Yeah. What are you, the best? No, I don't know about that. <laughs> Sometimes you don't get anything out of it, just for the record. But like for an hour a week, I might, I'll buy a Field and Stream magazine <laughs> and slowly work my way through that. Oh wow. my God. Now I'm streaming. Yeah. Everybody's streaming. <laughs> I'll watch something on, I don't know, Food Network or some random. I'll just, one of those channels in the 700s that you don't fuck with in yeah. the cable package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just watch one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, that's where I'll find that's brilliant. weird stuff or whatever. And then I can kind of take note. And, yeah. Um, or frustrating. Yeah, if it's if it's something that's frustrating or annoying, the more I notice that if I can get upset about something that should not matter, mm. it's funny. The contrast of the level of emo- like McDonald's charges for extra sauces. That used to be a joke that I did about how it's not your sauce, it's not inventory. Just give me the sauce. I thought it was and free. Just, I been to- no, they charge now. now. They charge. They charge. They it's didn't not a game, them. Pete. <laughs> It's not a game. It's 30 cents. You got to watch how much you dip. You got to scrape sauce off. So it's, it's just a, a whole it's a whole ramp up of emotion. Don't open that next sauce <laughs> until that other sauce is so white. I think it's never been used. Yeah. So for me, it's like I try my best to get I try my best to get like in a very relaxed headspace. And 
I'll also sometimes if I can, if I can clear my mind, for me it's puzzles, video games, and every now and then maybe I'll go to the movies or something like mm-hmm. that. Like in the actual movie theater and put my phone away and like mm-hmm. watch a film properly. Yep. My mind will be completely blank at the conclusion of those activities. And then I go and and then I immerse myself in the the media that I need to try and read for 20 minutes. It may only be 10 minutes today, 15 minutes tomorrow, whatever, but you're just flipping the channels. Like, this looks stupid. Right. Let's put the remote down and see how stupid it is. Right. And then in there, that's where you find, that's where I find jokes. That's right. I love that. I love it. You're also giving your subconscious time to, like when you say go to, like in Mad Men, Don Draper goes to the movies, and there's something about putting your focus on something else that gives the back of your brain time to work on what you're really working on. Like you don't yeah. feel it and you don't notice, but when you're out of the movie, you're like, I think I know what that screenplay is about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your mind needs a moment of stillness. That's right. That's why I'm like, everything's writing. I'm talking to you right now, but we're writing. You yeah, we I mean? are. Yeah. This is, I, I, I know this is literally show business because it's a podcast, but I'm like, yeah, me playing a video game is writing. That's my job. Everything I do is my job. Yeah. And it's like, this is something you could report on and bring back to the world. That's right. But even yeah. if it's just, Laying on the ground and looking at the ceiling. I don't do that, but let's say I did. It's all work. <laughs> to me, it also for me it also creates an air of relatability because now I have more things to reference and more. What's your job to talk about? It's your job to know. I, I I used to. I don't think I did this year. I think it happened, but I would host this video game award show, so I had like a real reason. I didn't need it. But I mm-hmm. liked going, like, I kind of have to play these games because I got to write a routine about this. Yeah, you got to know. And it's nice to shut your brain off every once Like, when I do colleges, the, old, uh, the older I became and the more of a cultural gap that came between me and college students, the more I had to start making sure that I That's right. watch MTV2. Look, I didn't want to see Harry Potter. I didn't. <laughs> but you I need to know. know who Voldemort is. You got to know. Because you, you can't say Darth Vader anymore. No, you can't. <laughs> because now we know his backstory and we feel bad for him. Yeah, it's a, uh, it wasn't his fault. <laughs> well, what about the hardest time you've laughed? Can you think of a time that you laughed really, really hard? And it doesn't have to be a great story. I always give that caveat. It's just like when you think of yourself laughing really hard, how old are you? Who are you with? Oh. <laughs> so in college, we had this apartment. We called it the Q. Uh, Q5 was the apartment. It was an we Audi. called it the Q. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> Audi, Q5. <laughs> and our house was kind of the social center for, like, all of our friends who lived off campus. So it was not uncommon for there to be 10 people in this three-bedroom apartment mm. on any given day. Just 10 people in your living room just <laughs> chilling and doing stuff. And we got... Drunk, like, <laughs> goddamn, we were drunk, and I had like I was drinking out of a coffee mug, <laughs> like a nun. Yeah, <laughs> drinking out of a coffee mug. <laughs> what are you and drinking? I go upstairs and I, I pass out, and somebody shakes me awake. I pass out at like ten thirty. Somebody shakes me awake at like one in the morning. They go, the police here. The police here. And the only thing I could think in my head was to just put on a suit (laughs) (laughs) so I could look presentable. Like, that's in my head. Oh, my God. Because it's a huge house party at this point, and the police are there to break up the party. (laughs) 
I come downstairs in a suit. And I still have the coffee mug full of liquor. Oh. And I'm underage. I go, what seems to be the problem, gentlemen? <laughs> like, Falcon on your yeah, shoulder. Yeah, I came downstairs. Good evening, gentlemen. What seems to be the problem? Oh, my God. The cop starts, the, one of the cops, just just a quick sniggle. And I catch a glimpse of myself off the reflection of one of the glass mirrors. Oh, my God. And I just started laughing uncontrollably. Oh, oh my God. And the, and the you co- made the cop laugh? The cop That's sniggled. amazing. And I just started laughing. Everybody starts laughing. And the cops are just like, but seriously, if you don't live here, you got to leave. And the cops left, and I sat on the stairs and laughed for, like, another 20 minutes. Oh, my God. Just at the thought. One of the greats. One of the great answers. such a stupid thing to do. I was laughing at how ridiculously stupid it was. It was brilliant. I didn't realize what a poor choice of approach. It couldn't have been a well-tied tie. You were in a rush. Oh, no. It was just just a blazer. I didn't put on a full suit. Okay, blazer. Blazer and basketball shorts. Uh, You thought it would work? Yeah. That's great. Professional from the hip hop. That's great. Uh, thanks, man. Do you feel good? Man, thank you, sir. Yeah. I appreciate this. You're brilliant. You're so smart. You're so funny. Check out what's the name of it. It's Father. Yeah, Father Figure. Father Figure. Yeah, it's on the Comedy Central app. So, Comedy Central app. iTunes yet? Yeah, you can buy it. You can buy it. But if you already have a cable subscription, just go to CC and put it in. Log in. Log in and watch it. Um, this, we didn't work together a long time ago, did we? No. Because I was know trying what to remember if we worked together a long time ago. We were on the same lot at Warner Brothers when you were doing the oh, talk show. Oh, Sullivan and Son. And Sullivan and Son was the next role over and every now and then. But we never did like a club or something. I'm talking about like so long ago. With oh. Ten years ago. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I, don't I don't think th- so, I man. number two. Because ten years ago I was playing Strange Rooms. <laughs> performing for drug dealers. and <laughs> I was in Milwaukee. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks so much, man. Hey, thank this you, was sir. a real honor. And would you, the guest always says, keep it crispy at the end if you wouldn't mind. Well, hey, I'm Roy Wood Jr. He's Pete Holmes. Keep it crispy like a pair of white Jordans. That's right. Which yeah. one? Jordan I don't remember. The, the, retro, the retro four, <laughs> the, the 73 and 10s, the retro, I don't know. The ones you changed out of, your yeah, whole outfit, because they had know. a little scuff. I love it. Now leaving Nerdist.com.